So wait, uh, Bela Fleck last night mm-hmm. at Kaufman. So n- when you said uh, typically have rehearsal, that's band practice. Mm-hmm. And and what is the current outfit? So Casey Green. Oh yeah, yeah. is Mike. It's the busiest band, and busy. It's not even that busy, but uh, we do once a month down at the ship, third okay. third Fridays typically. Nice. The ship is not east, uh, west bottoms. West bottoms. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And they've expanded. They used to have just the regular place, which we played for years, and then they've expanded, and they've put in this great big bar and a great big stage and great lights and they got a disco ball and so they they can have bigger acts in there that's, cool they're really cool but do they they do have bigger yeah. acts? okay do they are they visible online or are they yeah okay. they are um they have djs they have their salsa they have country they have a lot of different types of good music they regional acts they pull in more regional it's a good place to go see you know one of those bands that only does those type of bars, yeah, you know, yeah. you'd have to really search to see, but it would, it's a great sound system. So, yeah. Um, I don't really feel like I see them in social media feeds that like advertising gigs. Probably not. That's, that's what I meant. I think like, they might want to keep it that way. They oh. still keep it under a little underground. What, it's just a little underground Because it's cool? I guess so. I mean, that's the thing I was t- telling you about earlier. There's just no place right now that's just got that, cool vibe where you still walk in and it's like oh man this place you know you don't ever who you walk into or see here you know it's, you could see anybody here but it's still kind of got that you know it's in the west bottoms it's out of the way you're only going there to go there there's right, nothing right. else around there right so the people who are there typically are very responsive to live music yeah yeah and support slide musicians. that bad boy under that would you for me please What's that? oh yeah um so what was what took the place of the hurricane? Um, I think it's going to be apartments. Wait, but wasn't it a? It was Riot Room. Okay. Uh, oh, so I'm thinking Record Bar, Riot Room, and Record Bar. Yeah. Didn't Record Bar do gigs? No. Yeah, they're still doing. Okay. Gigs. There's, that's a great place. To oh, show. okay. And but yeah. did they? They moved. They moved. To... They were now they're on uh, like 17th and McGee-ish. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Damn. Okay. Interesting. It was really bad to lose the. Riot Room slash Hurricane. That was now my other outfit, the Tiki Brawlers, which was a ska band. We lost our bass player. He moved to Minneapolis um, this spring, so we we just got a new guy in last how'd, Thursday. How'd you how'd you find a new? Uh, our lead singer Ian Griggs found him. Okay, and turned out to be <laughs> a really good player. Nice, nice, <laughs> and a really cool guy. Yeah. That never happens. So before we get too far, Badass Records, episode 21, Brad Buckner. And Hello. If I remember, I mean, we're perfect strangers. Like, revert, we're total strangers, right? So I don't think I remember you. Yeah, yeah. So, but there's I mean, been a lot bef- <laughs> There's been a lot of happening between <laughs> 1992 and yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, which is, so that, that's the first here. I've, I've known everybody else in some form. So. Okay. Um, are you born and raised KC? I, I was, and uh, yeah, went to East, and then pretty much then I was playing gigs. Um, I was playing gigs at 17, okay. and so that's who, why who I say- Who, with, and where? So I got my first gig, first professional gig, I guess, real gig in Westport. I was at 
down at the old Kansas City Drumworks shop, which was about on 43rd and State Line, right okay. up the street from KU Med. Yeah, yeah. And that was run by a guy named Gary Boyle, and they made their own custom drums. They were wow. called Boilermaker Drums. First, and then they switched to Kansas City Drumworks. But early on, they were handcrafted drums, and it was a little bitty shop. And uh, as soon as I had my drive, I mean, I didn't start playing drums until I was about 15. I had eight years of piano before that. And then no slouch. <laughs> I mean, that's that's a haul. And 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 did uh, your folks make you do it in, initially? Mom played classical piano, so um, yeah, I had three, two younger sisters. We all played piano. Wait, piano. who are your sisters? So my, um, I have Margaret. Oh my God, I I wondered. Okay, and then um, Annabelle, R.I.P. Right? Yeah. How long? How long has she been gone? Yeah. She's been gone probably I I lose I don't keep records of that, but I'm thinking around six years or something like that. Okay. Seven years, something Damn. like that. Yeah. Um man. So uh, yeah, mom made us all play piano by um but see my uncle played in a cover band in Columbia, Missouri in the eighties. Really? In Mexico, Missouri. I, I'm familiar. <laughs> I know Mexico. So when I when we'd go down to see my grandparents or go to the farm, it was just the best, best time as a kid. And it, in his room, my uncle's room, he'd have this Rogers drum kit set up, like a nine-piece Rogers set with all these cymbals Sweet. and all this drums. And I just remember going in there as a kid and looking at this drum set. It was more like a mechanism at that point. You know, you had the hi-hat pedals, you had the bass drum, everything. You know, like you could hit everything, and there was no wrong notes. You know? <laughs> and this thing was just this metal and drums and just everything and i think that intrigued me um coming from the piano because it just looked like this giant thing has so much potential sure you know, what what's going to come out of it and right. it's loud there's nothing quiet about this setup here this is a loud instrument right <laughs> and so, i was really attracted to that kind of just power i guess is you know coming from nine eight year old kid yeah know? so <laughs> when mom made you guys were, were you resistant at first or no okay no, no. Um, we are a very musical family. My mom was the only one who played music, but music was always being played. My, both parents were very, uh, you know, my mom was a big Elvis fan. Cool. My dad was a big Motown fan. Wow. And so there was constant music. I mean, you know, being trucked around the station wagon was the oldie goldie station. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. And we had a record player and they had... Um, just they were having you know they just play music all the time so um, so then no resistance initially but as across across eight years are you guys still like yeah we're into it oh yeah definitely um yeah so when i got around 14 or 15 my uncle he gave me a snare drum he goes here try this because <laughs> at that point i was playing some classical music and i just wasn't into it you know you're 14 or 15 you're starting right. to listen to different music you're getting into different things yeah. and you know i came back around to, to appreciate classical music it took a long time but at that time it was just not the music that i wanted to play and put my time into it and when i got the snare drum it was the door opened a little bit that that's just a standalone one single piece just right strum, yeah and he said give me a pair of sticks he goes give me a page with some rudiments on it you know Right, left, right, right. That's time of the stuff. So, 
I did that, and it wasn't before long, my 15th birthday, my parents bought me my first drum set. And were you guys uh, were you guys prairie kids? Yes. Okay. Yep. So, uh, so this was with Indian Hill. So we were yeah, in middle school. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So my friends Drew Brady and Jake Eisfeld they came over and was like, "Oh, Buckner, man, this is awesome!" Because they had played keyboard and Jake had played guitar. So like, oh, we can finally start a band. <laughs> he's he's still gigging, right? Um, Drew, I believe, has moved to New York and is. I meant, uh, I meant Jake. Composing up there. I think Jake is still playing. I'm okay. not sure in what uh, capacity. But Was he in the outfit with Bo Flash on? Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, also RIP. Yes. Uh, Great guitar player. Yeah. Both of them, Jake and Bo. So uh, I, I, I can't remember the name. I went and saw him once. Um, Shedding Watts. Yes. So is, is that, did that, that, that dissolve? Okay. Okay. I actually was kind of maybe trying out for them. I played with them maybe two or three times and um, they were good. It just, you know, just didn't work out for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. But, um, but yeah, so after I got that first drum kit, it was just, that was, that was it. So where, what are your folks still in the same house or? um, No, uh, my dad has passed. My mom still lives over in Prairie village, but not in the house you grew up in. So where did they, what were the crossroads of the house you grew up in? So we were at 65th and Row. Okay. I mean, mm-hmm. 69th Terrace and Row. Yeah. So. Um, and <laughs> they put up with a lot of band, band practices. In well, that yeah, case. that's my question. Like, where did, they put the, where did they put the drum kit? So we had it in the basement. Was it finished? It was kind of, it was real boomy in there, though. It was really loud. And could they hear it upstairs? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think the neighbors could hear it, sure. too. Yeah. <laughs> but that drum set still exists. It was a 19... 19- 81 sonar uh in blue oyster wrap it was a four piece made in western germany as the badge stated wow. great drums beech wood drums but my friend mark weinberg still has it i sold it to him that name sounds familiar <laughs> and he still has it thank god and yeah so after that it was just drum set after drum set and band after band but um the first yeah, going back to the old Westport days, this guy came up to me when I was at the Kansas City Drum Workshop. He goes, hey, man, you want to – I'm looking for a drummer. We're, we play rockabilly. And at that time, this was 1990, 1991. I had no idea what the term rockabilly was. I was into my progressive rock Zeppelin phase at that point. Sure. <laughs> so I said, yeah, sure, that sounds pretty good. So we practiced way over, over off the, like 123rd and state line. And back then, there was nothing out there. No. Where does this guy live? And so we played, and man, this stuff was pretty good. It was a mix of like, it was kind of like Reverend Horton Heat yeah, stuff. Yeah, Rockabilly was fun, punk man. Punk stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I had, I absolutely loved it. You're 17. 17. And they're. And they're you, 23, 24. But they're giving about. you a little bit of money for gigs? Yeah. And your parents and are like, go do it. They're like, <laughs> my dad was a little meh, but my mom's like, I got your back, no worries. Nice. But we'd do, so we'd play the Hurricane, and we'd play with Sin City Disciples down at the oh, Art wow, Institute. yeah. And um, I have one funny anecdote. We had a gig down in Joplin, Missouri at the Kitchen Pass 
which I believe is still there. Okay. Someone told me that. Um, but it was about, uh, there was about, I don't know, three hour drive down there. I had a 1988 Pontiac Bonneville. Okay. I had a Tama rock star set in the back seat and trunk, <laughs> drove down, followed the lead singer down in his Volkswagen bus, which could only do about 55 miles per hour <laughs> <laughs> the whole way. That might have been okay safety-wise on I-70 back yeah. then today. I don't know <laughs> oh, man. if you want to risk that. So we get down there, and I'm all excited, and we get to this place, and we set up our stuff, and we play, and I think there's another band after us. We, uh, Yeah, because we, we went on first. This is still the Rockabilly outfit. This is the, okay. yeah, we were called – we went through – probably three names. I only was with them for about two years. Then I went off to college. And so we went under the name like mood ring and then Transylvania 2000. Oh, wow. Funny. <laughs> okay. And we, so we start at this kitchen pass place. We play two songs and I see this guy come out of the, my corner. Of my, eye. he jumps on the stage. I'm like, Oh my God, what is going on? And he just kind of, gets in between like our third song and we were about to start this next song and he's like uh we're gonna have to go ahead and get this other band up here <laughs> what? and i'm looking around and i'm thinking we're getting we're getting kicked off the stage this guy is kicking us off the stage and our lead singer matt just freaks out just throws the guitar crushes it kicks his amp off the stage Dang. um just goes into a rage, and and so I just start tearing down my drum kit as fast as I possibly can. <laughs> what in the world? I, what was the what was going on? I Why guess would... he didn't like us. Oh, yeah. What's I mean, not, what's not to like about rockabilly? I don't know, but um, it's fun, fast paced, it's danceable. <laughs> I mean, it's got a little bit of an attitude to it. I don't know who booked the gig or what type of music they were hoping to get from us. I mean, because back then there was no music sharing i guess you may they might have sent them a tape cassette yeah tape. <laughs> yeah wait so how many people do you think were in the crowd um i i don't know i don't remember that I mean, much but it was a small place yeah um but nobody's like booing or anything no yeah nobody came up to me and was like give me a hard time about it i just remember getting in there getting my drums off stage packing them in the pontiac and my bass player who Kind of looked like Val Kilmer. Funny. <laughs> and he would wear a wig to certain gigs, too. What? Not all gigs, but he would wear a wig. <laughs> really? Yeah, Val. So I gave Val back. We rode back to Kansas City together, three hours. Oh, my God. And so that's the that's the only time I've gotten kicked off stage. Interesting. But so that was, I mean, there was still some time left in the two years before you went off to school. So you played other gigs. So we played, yeah, we played around. Um, and at that point, Westport was was really rocking. I mean, in the early 90s, late 80s, um, it was just kind of the place to show off new music and get your demo in this, you know, smaller record stores. I can't even remember some of the names of the little stores that were around back sure, then. Sure, sure. But it was still safe to hang out there. Yeah, <laughs> of course. I mean, a lot of bands played there. But and... also, <clears throat> what a trip to be driving down to Westport as a 17-year-old and sort of like you have all your shit with you. You're 100% responsible for, you know. Yeah. 
getting there, doing the thing, and then getting out of there and getting back home. And yeah. that's that's no like that's no run down to uh, <laughs> hen house and get me a gallon of milk. That's I it was I I knew exactly what I wanted to do, and that was when you when you can find something like that, you just put all your energy into it, and you want to make sure it's you're a hundred percent. You want a hundred percent professional because you're not. You won't get the call back. No, you know your name will get dragged around. It's like uh, you know oh, he's he's a good drummer. He's not a great drummer, you know, or something like that. But um, it was always important to me to you know be on time, have pro gear, you know, show up early. Especially as a drummer, you're the yeah got the most stuff. So yeah, um, and I think around that time too i was playing in another cover band in out of independence with these older folks and we did everything from rem to um rush <laughs> and we played a new year's eve show i remember and my mom had to sign the legal waiver wow okay. so i could play in the bar <laughs> <laughs> nice that's cool. at least they had that protocol the, back then yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, there you go that's cool so yeah, it was early on when I got gigging and I just got a taste of it and I loved it. I didn't there was no complaining about late nights or how many much gear you had or what songs you had to play. I just soaked it all up because I knew um early on that experience would would pay off when you got to be, you know, living on your own and doing this for a living. And well, I mean, that's awfully young to have such foresight. I mean, I don't. I guess maybe hat tip to your it folks. It bit me. For, it bit me, right? Man. Yeah, it got me hard. But I mean, I mean they they. It seems like they really sculpted you into having a, a nice level head on your shoulders. And yeah, they did, and they kind of saw my dedication. You know, it was practice, practice, practice. You know, I didn't. I don't think I had a date in high school too much up until my about senior year. Oh yeah, <laughs> because I was just practicing right? and. Friday and Saturday nights, I would have the headphones on playing to music, um, and just that's all I wanted to do. Nothing really else mattered to me. At did that you point. Did you know Missler, John Missler? Yeah. He was really good. He was really good drummer. Yeah. Did, do you is, Do you have any ideas? He's still around. I don't like, know. I'm sure. I, right. I hope he's still playing again. Right. Right. With right. somebody. Yeah. <laughs> he was solid. I. I. Yeah. I looked at him, and there was a couple. You know, there was a few guys in high school. From other high schools, um, you know, you would see or hear about these cats that were good, and when you finally saw them, like you went up to them, like, "Oh yeah, man, let's let's try to get together," because you knew how good they were, and maybe they have heard of you, but maybe not. But you know, I knew I had the talent to be good enough with them. I just wanted to play with really good people. Sure, but you did, did you? ever like mess around with anybody in in high school um, like we had no not really we had our own <laughs> we had kind of a we had a band in my, my junior year with tom cutler nolan sweeney jake eisfelder matt mccaffrey oh wow and all the yeah and we played we played high school parties I and mean, we played house parties but we'd do like santana we'd do jam stuff nice you know um and how that was a fun band would would i'm sure would but this is for free right like, this was sort of for free but the house party would pay you know 300 bucks or something really like that. yeah wow 
just like at somebody's parents' house. Somebody's parents' house, we'd do some you know big parties over at Mission Hills. Okay, okay. Um, the cops would show up. The cops would always come. Sure. Always. Sure. I mean, you're like we <laughs> we still need that three hundred dollars, even though. And you know, it's not like we showed up with this huge PA. We're right. Still in right. high school. I mean, we're talking like PV equipment yeah. and. Some jerk next door decides to call the cops after like our fourth song because it's seven fifteen, <laughs> and he's worried that this is going to go till midnight. Stupid. Yes, it's uh. So they, you know, they came back like three after like the fourth time. Like, okay, shut it now. No, okay, we're gonna have to take somebody to jail or something like. Right. The homeowner's gonna go to jail. Or right. You know. No, so. Nothing like a <laughs> nothing like a weekend night for a Mission Hills police officer. That's right. Really Busted out there. Yeah, just <laughs> fighting crime. Yeah. Uh, so where did when you where did you end up going to school? So I went to. Um, so that was a really big. You know that was in ninety two and in ninety ninety one ninety two, we had a. I mean there was a big music revolution going on. We had you know Soundgarden. We had Pearl Jam. We had. Nirvana, we had Smashing Pumpkins, and my God, it was, and that time was such a cool time, because all those bands from that kind of genre, I guess, were all good musicians. Yeah, man, yeah. I mean. Screaming Trees. Oh, I mean, yeah, and like all the drummers go like, Matt Cameron, Soundgarden, awesome. You know, Jimmy Chamberlain, Smashing Pumpkins, awesome. I mean, these guys were like, they were taking the torch from, from, from like Neil and John Bonham and these guys are playing this rock and roll stuff a little bit differently than you did in the seventies or eighties. Yeah. I mean yeah. these guys were getting after yeah, it. Yeah, man. And I like that a lot. And so I was like, man, I don't want to go to college. I wanna I'm I wanna play music. Let's go. I mean let's we had I had a good band, that Transylvania two thousand band. They were I mean, you know you never know, but so anyway, so I went to Westminster in Fulton, Missouri. Okay, one of my real good buddies went there, uh, Nate Wilkie. Oh yeah, and, and Wes Hotsey. Yeah, they were. I partied with both of them. Okay, um, but my whole family had gone there. My dad, oh wow, their granddad, his dad. So it was kind of like you're going to Westminster, right? Um, Which is just down the road from the. Uh, that's what's the name of the spot. Uh, where you got two songs oh, in? Kitchen Pass. Kitchen Pass. It's not Fulton f- and Fulton and Joplin. Yeah, they're about. Oh, Joplin. Hours, Jop- I, guess, I was thinking Columbia. Three. My bad. Yeah, but um, but there was no. I mean, Fulton was. It was bad. It was it was a great school, but as far as music goes, there was there was hardly any musicians there. Didn't widespread play there once? They did. I still have my ticket. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> they played on a flatbed trailer in 1993, and some cornfield yeah for like eight bucks yeah and it was off their space wrangler too and like this man's awesome yeah these guys i mean like maybe maybe that's still their best record today i think so i mean it's one of mine so and and you you (laughs) uh you talk about that 90 91 92 stuff and then i'm not trying to like compare or anything but i mean like Mm. while that wave is still sort of i mean then horde you know, yes. like, and you get your widespread and your blues. Then, like a whole other sp- dude, spin doctors. Oh and man, like, uh, a, just a bunch of. So then the term jam band, yeah, Medeski, Fish, right. you know, like so all that stuff's happening. Yeah, and so I like that stuff too because you know it's more improv and it's you know those guys are going out for like eight nine minute jams and um so yeah, 
that's a good point. You had both. You had so much music happening over those last three years, you know. And as a musician, you're just it's like this is it just inspires you so much. You just yeah. want to do it. Yeah. So did you so, stay in Westminster? <laughs> I stayed. Um, got a little band together. Um, but ultimately, just um. Like you did all the groundwork for getting the band together? It was, yeah, pretty much. Because there was a lot of, there's, there was not anybody there who had my motivation. You know, I'm sure. Like, yeah. You strike me as a motivated dude. <laughs> I'm kind of here to study, not really play music. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it is, I mean, like, uh, I don't think they were taking just anybody. I mean, you had to have decent high school grades yeah, to get I, in there, right? I, yeah, I got in because my dad said he's, he's he needs to come here. I, I was a terrible student. Really? Um, yeah, I was not very good at all. Okay. I was just not focused on um <laughs> I just wanted to play music. Yeah, yeah. I I hear you. And so, but anyway, I got out with a um fortunately I was in pretty good with kids, so I got out with an elementary education degree and I ended up teaching for 20 years. Seriously? Yeah. Holy shit. So, so my mom was a kindergarten teacher for years and so kids were just something that just they were just they were just like a bunch of musicians, you know. They're just kind of rolled with everything. Yeah. Wait, where does your mom teach? <laughs> she taught thirty-two years of kindergarten at, at the uh, Pembroke Hill School. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um. So you're like what ninety-three to ninety-seven at Westminster? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or or would it have been ninety-two to ninety-six? Ninety-two. I was uh, ninety-seven. I got out in ninety-seven. Okay. I moved to Atlanta in ninety-seven. Okay. Uh. And that is, did you do all 20 years teaching there? I did. Um, no, we did. Um, let's see. My first teaching was kindergarten. And I did 10 years of kindergarten. Damn. <laughs> down down in Atlanta? In Atlanta. Okay. Oh, I love that. I brought in the drums for them. And oh, nice. Are you in a, where where in Atlanta? It was in Alpharetta. Okay. A, oh, there's uh, a real famous venue there. Uh, that that fish plays and widespread play oh, still. Um, Maybe it's newer, but I feel like it's got Alpharetta in the name. No, that's not right. That's not right. Anyway, it's probably new. They they were always building stuff down right, there. Right. Right. Um, yeah. So ten years of kindergarten in Atlanta, or eleven, something like that. I was down there for about twelve years and taught for about ten or eleven. But Atlanta was great. I learned. I met so many, so many good musicians down there. Uh, well, how did you? How did you land there in the first place? Okay, so a guitar player from Westminster um, had moved down there, and he says, "Buckner, you need to get down here. This scene is awesome." And so w- I moved down there. Just, just did it. I just packed up my drums. It's like, okay, Atlanta seems pretty cool. You know, I like the South. You got widespread. Just you know, they were just banging out of there five years later. So the scene yep. stuff's happening. A lot of good places to play. A lot of good musicians. And it just... So that band, it didn't really do anything. But um, I met uh, my jazz... My first jazz trio down there. We were called the More Down Trio. And had Sean Bulow on guitar. Left-handed guitar player. Great guitar player. And Mike Goble on the bass. And Mike was from New York, and he had played in a funk band, and he had relocated to Atlanta for his job. And Sean had played in a band, uh, original band prior, 
and we kind of just met at a party and started talking and um, one thing led to another mike had a house and we all practiced at his place and it was just this awesome trio jazz stuff (laughs) all instrumental all instrumental and i didn't really know how to play jazz i mean i was coming from the rock i had no formal training so mike that that's that's not a small leap i mean no and i'm still not a jazz drummer i can fake it okay yeah but but, i mean this whole (laughs) this whole idea of playing you know in a signature Mm -hmm. and then everybody's kind of got a chance to sort of go off yeah but but stay within the thing and then bring it back you know and then this person and or maybe all together i mean it's you you can't be a slouch i don't think no and so we worked on exercises to make just our ears listen better love it you know i just i didn't have any training in that sort of music yeah it was instrumental it was a trio so everyone kind of had to be a good listener but everyone still had to pull their weight in it so that was that was a great great band we played a lot a lot of private gigs we had a we also had this funny weekly gig that we did every sunday at harry's farmer's market in alpharetta okay now is this is this is this drums bass and keys uh drums bass guitar no keys no keys so. that's that's a different flavor of jazz so I feel guitar like. was taking most of the melody okay yeah so the, and we'd uh, set up in this grocery store. It was it'd be like a um, like a big fresh farmers market outside, and then um, kind of grocery store inside. But uh, I was playing with brushes, so, so nobody could hear us. So oh, like the <laughs> yeah, kind of so, quiet. Yeah, so they'd come up like I didn't know there's a band in here. <laughs> we'd play right up by the registers. So uh, wow, that's kind of cool. But it was cool. It Did was you a cool have gig. shade? It was inside. Oh, inside. Okay. Yeah. Okay. He said farmer's market. I so picture. we'd make a lot of tips there and um, we'd get, people would ask for a number and we'd, we'd play, you know, their backyard parties. Cool. A lot of, a lot of private parties. Man. It was neat. It was a really good band and it really taught me a lot about discipline and listening and um, just how to be a better musician. You know? And when you, when you pack up and arrive... Uh, are you, are you living with one of the bandmates? No, we have. Uh, I had an apartment there with my girlfriend, okay, and my wife Amy, and oh, um, so did, we, did we moved together. Her? Okay, okay, yeah, we moved together. This, did she, you guys meet in Fulton? Yeah, was we she met a William Woods. Girl? Yeah, she was. See, I had to take all my education classes at William Woods. Okay, and I was the right. only guy. Yeah, yeah. Like there was like twenty. Wasn't there girls like a, a lake or something that yes. you could like? row over there sneak in or something like that oh yes i sn- uh, yeah yeah i was uh, hidden in the back seat of a car many times there you go there. so that's fun <laughs> so she was like cool let's do it let's move together she was one of those free spirits that that decided to come with me and um yeah it's uh it's crazy to think about um but when you're that age and you're just so focused on something nothing will stop you yeah so um, Atlanta was very good to me. Um, I still go back down there and play gigs every once in a while. I still have a lot of good friends there. Um, it's just one of those cities where just everything is, it's always happening. Cool. Yeah, man. So is the traffic. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, sucks. uh, I lived there for three years, uh, just outside in the eighties. Okay. Uh, and then, uh, flew down there for a wedding in 2000 and i was like 
where are we? Like, what is this? This is insane. Like, and whoever we hired to pick us up from the airport and was just like, I mean, oh yeah, sitting, you know, they'd be sitting in traffic one second and then just cut into an alley and do like 40. I'm just like, we're going to die. Like, but still like, you know, good vibes. Generally oh, yeah. speaking. Um, when I moved back up here and yeah, I never, I'll never complain about the traffic ever again. Right. Right. So why, <laughs> why did you guys? So we had to, uh, we had to move back up here in Kansas city cause, um, uh, my father had already passed away, and then my sister was sick. So we just decided to be up here to be close to everybody. Okay. So, um, so yeah, and then that's where's where's your wife's family? Um, they are deceased, but oh. they were from most of them from Lakeland, Florida. Okay. Mm-hmm. Did she have siblings? Yeah, she has a sister that's still down in Florida. Oh, okay, uh-huh. but both of her folks are gone. Uh-huh. Gotcha. Yeah. So. Man. Uh, so are you, are you and mom and Margaret still close or? Yeah. Okay, cool. Oh yeah. Right on. Um, we see each other about every Sunday. Oh, for like a family yeah, dinner kind of thing. Or, nice. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Uh, so uh, everybody's relatively like uh, not a whole lot of regret <clears throat> about leaving. Like we're, everybody's cool and happy to be here now or. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. It, my, I mean, my life would have been totally different. Um, had things if I would have still been in Atlanta, I think had I would have stayed in Atlanta, um, that particular trio, the bit, the because Mike ended up moving to Iowa, I think, but we had another bass player, Calvin, who was just as good and great composer. I mean, he this guy could play every instrument. Oh, um, wow, and so we started playing together, and that band would have been fine. I mean, but. The, the the people that I met here when I first got up here, it was um, I played with Turkey Bone. I don't know if you know the name Turkey Bone, no, Kansas City. I don't think he's so. kind of a he's been around for a long time. He's blues, just standard blues. Real, okay. You know, good harmonica player, but so I was in that band for a while when I first moved up here. That sounds like a a gig that would fit in well at BB's Lawnside. Uh, yeah, they do play there. Oh, Okay. We have played there. That was my first. In fact, when I first got up to Kansas City, one of my friends says, man, you need to go check out the BB's Blues Jam on Saturday because you'll meet some cats there that play everything, everywhere. So I did, and lo and behold, met um, met some guy and a gal. They were boyfriend-girlfriend, and they were called the Shannon and the Rhythm King Band. Interesting. And I was with them for a while, and we played BBs, we played Knuckleheads. Oh, wow. And then I quit them, and I joined um, the Turkey Bone Band. And it was more blues. I'm like, I got it. I like the blues, but as a drummer, it gets, it's kind of drummer hell sometimes. <laughs> Is it monotonous? It's, it's very monotonous. It can be. And you're listening to a lot of guitar solos all night, which can kind of rip my head off a little bit, you know. <laughs> Um, when I was, uh, I, d- I went to Pittsburgh state for freshman year and then I moved to Colorado and wound up down in Durango f- at Fort Lewis. Uh-huh. And I, I've always until kind of recently, uh, been in the restaurant industry and, uh, there was a, there was a reggae band that would play every Thursday night. I was always, you know, four to close or five to close. So, 
a lot of long shifts there. Um, yeah. And I always thought it was the, like I was I was way into like I was dice, you know, uh, consuming the entire entire Bob Marley catalog at the time. Like <laughs> yeah. I arrived in Durango with a copy of Legend, and I was like. Uh, oh, this is. I don't. I need to be done with this and start with burning and work all. And, and so I remember, yeah. like a set break situation. I came out to pee or something, and the the guitar player, maybe I think it was a guitar player, was like getting a water or a soda, and I was like, "Dude, you guys, you know, I'm always here every time you guys play. Like, <laughs> I love it." And he's like, "Oh," and I was like, "Whoa, what?" what? And he's like, "Dude." Sometimes fucking reggae is just. And I was like, it's still kind of cool. And he's like, it, it wears off. I was yeah. like, Damn, jaded musician. Okay. All right. But I total, I also totally got it at the same time. Yeah. So I can imagine. Uh, so you're, you're doing that. And, and then it was eventually I you're had like, to quit. Okay. I, I quit. I felt bad. Cause, uh, but, now we'll just you, we'll just kind of leave it at that. Yeah, yeah, but 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 generally speaking, <laughs> if a member of a band, not necessarily you or any outfit you've been a part of, is there some kind of, for lack of a better phrase, two week notice kind of etiquette situation, or you just yell them out, figure it out on your own? It's been fun, or well, with with that situation, um, I think I did give them you know, a heads up, like, like Hey, I'm going to be leaving. Um, nothing personal, but you know, I just, at that point I had met enough people yeah. that I was going to start my own project. Yeah. You're uh, and that networking. Casey Green. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so that band, I th- gosh, I think that band has been around almost seven years now. I want to say Casey Green has yeah. all, original members still or no okay it's it's turned over <clears throat> the original members were um john rinky on bass who still active in the kansas city music scene um brian ruskin of course master guitar player here in kansas city um uh ben eisminger on keys he's out of lawrence um he he tours. He does a lot of country stuff. Okay. He also teaches my kids piano. Nice. <laughs> when he can. Um, and then I had Jesus Negron on percussion, who's still with me. Ooh, I love it. And I want to come see you now. Oh, now man. that I know there's a percussionist. We have two. Oh, my God. Really? I have Miko Spears on percussion number two. So usually they're doing a conga bongo thing. Whoa. That's more drums is always good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> like when Rusted Root came out, I was like, I hope there's oh, a whole genre beyond, yeah, you know. Yeah. But no, not so much. And then we had the great Ernest Melton on saxophone who Oh man, you who have moved horns? down to Miami. He's okay. playing with Quixotic band down in Miami. Okay. Um but that was that was the original lineup and this was man, this was back when the ship was still doing, they were still relatively kind of new club. When they're only doing jazz, mostly. That's, that's sort of a hard sell, a hard niche. It to is like in a in a big it town, was. small city. Mm-hmm. Uh, what year did the ship open its doors? Do you know? I believe they've been around. They've for about. F- six years okay i figured it was somewhere around there it's when we started the band almost because i'm like well this is the only place i can book this band 
because it's all instrumental. And a lot of the tunes we first learned were from uh, soul jazz guitar player Grant Green, oh, who's from man. St. Louis. Yeah, yeah, man, love Grant Green. So when I heard his stuff on YouTube, I had never heard of him before, and his one of his songs came up or like on Pandora or something. I don't know, but I just stopped what I was doing and I listened to that whole thing. It was like an eight minute song, and when it was finished, like I'm gonna form a band who plays this crap. Dude, this so is lightning. When I when I when I landed in, in at Fort Lewis College, uh-huh. uh, shout out to the Skyhawks. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they were the Raiders just before uh, I got there. Okay, and then that was not PC enough. So I was like, <laughs> thank God I was never a Raider. But uh, I, I so I was I was on newspaper staff at East. Okay, and then I was like, I I should figure out. And I, somebody's like, oh, it's over here. And I, I went, and they were like, oh, my God, here's here's your first assignment. Thank you. And oh. I'm still friends with, like, a lot of those people. Oh, cool. Student, uh, volunteer student radio station, FM, right above. And I was like, I got to do that, too. <laughs> so I, I ended up having a three-hour show for three years. Oh, man. Um, and it was there that I discovered uh, the Blue Note label. Oh I th- yeah, I think maybe a Grant a white. He was Grant on Green. That for yeah. He had a few albums on the Blue I, Note. I, I think, think he had more than a few. Um, Possibly his not. early stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when he switched over to funkier stuff, it was like, is this the same guy? Right. Um. So, but I mean, Grant, and then somebody, uh, somebody gave me a. They're like, you need to go buy a copy of. Uh, Big John Patton, Blue John. Oh yeah, and I was like, dude. Whole, so Patton, I was really like rooting for Patton to be the, whatever my kid, you know. Yeah. Ellington's fine. <laughs> we love the Duke. Yes. Um, but and then it's like it's Jimmy <laughs> Smith and Her- Herbie Hancock. You uh, know, I like just and it like at some man. point I realized like if I tomorrow woke up independently wealthy and didn't have to worry about money for the rest of my life, I would totally like do a major massive blue note oh. research project oh man and just like the whole as much as i could until i'm dead like because <laughs> like yeah. not only like the names of the and sometimes like uh you know uh, uh, say a grant green trio record comes out and it's mm-hmm. a sm- like mostly a very blank vanilla album cover a little picture yeah and then the three names of the musicians and and like the grant green maybe it's font 12 (laughs) and everybody else is font 10 it's relatively like equal credit you know and 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 rightfully so because all of those musicians were just smoking yeah smoking so anyway you you heard some some grant green you're like you stop what you're doing that was it i mean um and I was kind of on a, <clears throat> I mean, I listen to everything. I, like, I love a lot of electronic music. Uh, really? Early stuff. Chemical Brothers, yeah. Fluke. Um, Did you ever listen to The Egg? The Egg. Yeah. No. Dude. Or Banco de Gaia. Do you know them? No. Ban- Banco de Gaia. I don't. I only know one record by The Egg, and it's fantastic. <laughs> At least it was fantastic in the late 90s when I- See, that's- to me, again, um, it just seemed like that that time genres are just the, birthing. Nineties, and I and I say nineties. I want to say from like from like eighty nine to ninety three, ninety four ish. I mean, all that 
you know, you had rock, but the electronic movement was was breaking out as well. Um, What's do you have a preferred uh, streaming source right now? No, um, <laughs> I don't. I'll just I'm so stingy. I'll just remember a favorite album and just put that on YouTube and just put it around in my car and just drive around. You know. Okay. Um, it just depends on the do you, mood. Do you pay for the YouTube music? premium? Are you yeah the music yeah, one? Yes, so I don't have any commercials in it. Oh, so and yeah. you you don't have to have video. Yeah, open right. So you could like respond to a text and it won't cut the song off. Right. Or, nice. Okay. So so um, everything I, I listen to everything. It's just and Mike, I want to you know I'm, I'm forcing that on my kids too to have an open ear because if you listen to everything you you train your ear to hear that certain genre when it comes through it's like typically when you hear something for the first time you don't like it and you got to listen to it a couple of times like oh yeah now I like it I understand what's going on now <laughs> so so with my kids I mean they're all they all play an instrument remind yeah. me how many and what ages so Annabelle and Dorothy are twins you have an Annabelle 11. Yes. Wow. And uh, okay. It's, so namesake. Before, so she, before she passed. Before she no. Uh, yeah. Before she passed. Wow. Yeah. Holy smokes, um, dude. Yeah. That's really cool. And then Dorothy is named after my grandmother, who was just totally cool. Um, mother of the uncle who taught me how to play drums. <laughs> so. Oh, nice. Okay. <laughs> and then did you? Um, are there? twins mm-hmm. on there uh, yes my aunt had twins okay so, so you guys kind of knew it was a possibility it was a yeah and then um it was I mean, it was a possibility when man um yeah so we have music going on at dinner we have music going on um during the evening and i just want to open up you know it's it's so great now because you we have such a we have the whole world, right? Library of music at our fingertips. It's crazy. Not only audio, but we can also show them what these musicians look like when they yeah. play this music. Yeah. And so Annabelle and Dorothy are twins, and they're eleven. They're eleven. And what do they play? They play the piano. Okay. And Annabelle plays the violin. Nice. And then there's a third. And then Eddie. Eddie, yes. <laughs> X Factor Eddie. He's my bass player. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He said he was a good bass player. That's good wild. bass player. And just. You know, we play. We had a driveway concert with the band last Saturday in our cul-de-sac, and just invited the neighbors. And Eddie got up and played with the band. He did like a Latin number and like a twelve-bar blues cool. number. And um, <laughs> so he was playing. You know, he's he's grooving to it, and you know, his back was toward the audience because he was kind of looking at me. He's like, "Face your audience." <laughs> you know, put a little show in the show business, you know. And so did your bandmates get together <laughs> and do this just out of the goodness of their heart or was there money involved or um yeah there's some money involved okay. with the with the with the cul-de-sac we should put a little tip jar out there oh right on nice um so yeah it was just and it's good to get them good to get the kids involved playing with a live band because like, a bass guitar it's kind of like the drums like you need to have it with other people yeah. to show where your place is right yeah, yeah. kind of hard to know where it is until you hook up with like all these other players playing that same chord or head or whatever. And they're like, Oh yeah, now, now yeah. I got it. <laughs> uh, so uh, what are there 
did you list six members of Casey Green? So Casey Green can have up to nine members at any time. We're kind of like Voltron. It just kind of <laughs> depends how strong we are. Nice. But the current lineup now is Eric Nettle on guitar, who's just incredible. Um, uh, he can fix anything, too. So, <laughs> so he's on guitar, and I have... Chris Ruzik on bass, who also plays bass with New Common Ground Reggae Band. Okay. They're really good. Um, then I have Tim Williams on the keyboard, and his brother, Tevin Williams, was a really good singer here in Kansas City. He moved up to New York and is is doing that same thing in Brooklyn right now. So I've known Tim for a while. Um, and then... Um, we have Ariana Namadi on saxophone, and she's she's all over Kansas City. She played with everybody. I mean, that name sounds a little bit familiar. Man, she's smoking. Um, mostly baritone, okay, but she can she that's can a, do it all. That's a deeper than usual yeah. sax, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, about as tall as she is too. <laughs> oh wow! Um, and then rounding out the horn section, I usually have Kadesh Flow on trombone, and Kadesh is. He's a local rapper here in Kansas City. Cool. Um, that also plays group. the trombone. Yes. Wow. He's on fire. Um, he does a lot of stuff. He plays with the Fantastics. Um, so sometimes he's there, sometimes he's not. He's pretty busy. And then Caleb Aldridge on tenor sax. Damn. So I totally got to come see you man. guys. Um, so do most <laughs> of these people... Uh, also have families or is anybody straight up single with no um let's see i think um ariana doesn't have any children i don't think caleb does either um but you guys have managed to identify tuesday as a time that works for everybody um or sometimes um it it really that's another thing it's uh that's very fluid okay okay. (laughs) it depends week to week because sure but generally, Eric and Tim and Chris, you know, drums, guitar, bass, keyboard, we try to get together once a week. Nice. Um, in a band like that, because we're, we're picking, sometimes we'll pick cover songs that, um, you know, just require some attention. You know, some John Schofield stuff, or some Jeff Beck stuff. And Whoa. you just can't play that once a month. I mean, you have to you have to play that once a week at least to keep the rust off. <laughs> yeah. If you're covering that stuff. And How long has Schofield been um, on your radar? Oh, he's been on He's been on there. It's just that Eric, our guitar player, is a big fan. Okay. So okay. He, he brings some of these cover tunes to the band. Okay. And he'll say, what do you think about this, guys? And like, oh, yeah. It's, it's, it still has to be um, groovy enough. And not fusiony. Yeah, yeah. It can I, it can be a little fusiony because we like that, and I love that stuff. But we don't want to play the whole song in an odd time, or we, right. We need, you know, it just everything we play has that groove underneath it, kind of. Yeah, you know. I'd never heard of him until a go go. Oh, and we play I'll, that. I mean, we cover that one. I love that. Song. I just. <laughs> ring, ring, <laughs> ring, ring, ring. Boom, boom. And and I was like, where has this guy been? Oh, man. And at the time, uh, 
I've got a music encyclopedia back there, and like I flipped it open. I was like, dude, this guy's just put out a oh, bunch of records. Man. He's been around. Yeah. And then I never, I never did due diligence. They made a second record, uh, Modesky and Schofield. Um, oh yeah. But I know ne- I never like I've still to this day like just never sat down and. But anyway, I mean, yeah, dude, dude shreds in the in the kind of the grooviest, laid uh, back kind of way. So yeah, so so all that stuff, um, the jazz fusiony stuff. It when we started Casey Green, that's that was kind of like another chapter in my drumming. It's like okay, so now we're gonna go this route, kind of. I'm gonna start listening to this stuff and get into Schofield and and some deeper Jeff Beck cuts because they're all, you know, from the 70s. I mean, all that stuff is still crazy, you know, what what Beck was doing back then. Um, huge, but, hugely underrated. Very much so. I mean. Very much so. It's it's kind of bananas, honestly. <laughs> um, if you ever just throw on a Jeff Beck, what? I think the people who know, know. Yeah. And he is, yeah, he's still, uh, I don't know what underrated, but just not, not talked about as much, I think, as a guitar player or influential guitar player, as many fair, people think. Fair. But I think, I think guitar players might put him up there. But um, I never knew he existed until he did "People Get Ready" with Rod Stewart. Oh yeah, and I was like, "What the holy smokes? <laughs> this guy shreds!" So yeah, there was a lot of a lot of Friday nights listening to Wired, Jeff Beck's Wired Ooh, on cassette yeah, with yeah. headphones on my drums, trying to. Just listen. Just digest it. There's so much stuff going on, um, and that just kept you going as a as a musician. You just wanted to keep better, and that's another thing that just keeps me going. You're always. I mean, you're you're only as good as your last gig, right? And as a drummer and a musician, I just want to keep getting better and better and just learning more. I'm just. I'm constantly still watching YouTube videos of like you know. Vinnie Coliuda with with some <laughs> band in like 1990 and just watching him and the strokes and the way he plays that's that's oh, that's man. that's an old Zappa drummer right <laughs> yeah. I mean you say that name and I immediately hear the shout out from Catholic girls <laughs> Vinnie Coliuda <laughs> yeah. uh, I got to see him with Herbie Hancock a couple oh years ago God. at Kaufman when they came really? to Kaufman yeah how was that just I think I have a few teeth still in the in the lobby there. It just blew my head off. Wow. Yeah. Did you go solo or No, I took my wife. Nice. Yeah, I mean I went. Nice. Um, but you know, he's all those guys that, that influenced me and you and all I mean, they're getting up there now. Well, I was they? just about you know to mean? say how does does Herbie <laughs> look old? Does he still got it or he, he he looked good, but I mean, my God, just to go on the road, I mean, that takes a lot. I mean, it takes a lot of out of you and um you know, I, as much as I'd like to see those guys live, I mean, just man, just stay at home, just keep putting out music, right? Know? Yeah, yeah. Don't kill yourself. I just want to keep hearing new stuff, you know. But so that's kind of good. So it sounds like uh, Casey Green is, is is somewhat malleable, and whatever you're, you're interested in, you can kind of shift in that direction and yeah, digest some new stuff, and then work it out, and then go gig it. All the all the musicians are very open and receptive to anything new brought to the band and um i think that's that's where you have success as a as a big group um it's uh it's hard to kind of get a view of everyone's opinion sometimes but if you keep the music in the same genre 
everyone's cool with it, you know. There's so no, where's the best place to find Casey Green stuff online? Is there a website or a Instagram? We or? have um, <clears throat> we're on Facebook. Okay. Um, unfortunately, this is kind of a weird thing, but there's an artist, an illustrator called Casey Green that lives in Atlanta. <laughs> what <laughs> are the places. odds? I know. Okay. So I friended him on Facebook, like, hey, I've got a band in Kansas City called Casey Green. He goes, oh, man, that is so cool. So we normally do Casey Green the band as opposed to just Casey Green. Because if you search for Casey Green, sometimes you'll get this really cool illustrator that lives in Atlanta. Right. <laughs> um, but we are uh, we have Instagram, Facebook, we have YouTube, um, but you can, yeah, we did, we've got our demo up on YouTube, so you can, I think there's like four songs. You, you guys have any, to. any merch? Um, I, I have shirts printed up as a first run just to see what they kind of look like and they're not for sale yet, but I, I'll do another run of them, but our logo is kind of a snail. Okay. <laughs> Stickers, anything? <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. Okay. No. When the shirts are for sale, will you let me know I, so I can buy one? I will. I mean, we'll I had up. Jason Gherkin. I don't know if you know Gherkin. Oh, man. It's uh, been a while. It had been a while for Gosh. me, too. We did uh, eight, better part of eight years together in Westport. Oh, man. He was bartending, and I was chefing. Uh, and I was <laughs> like, dude, if there's any Shiner merch, wow. I'm going to get... And, and that was the only shirt I liked, and it was only available in small. <laughs> I was like, I'll just... Just hang I'll up. make That's it. Vi- cool. I'll make it visible for the podcast. I, I'm, I'm not. Uh, I don't need to wear it. So I've got. I've got a box at home. I'll bring you one next time. Well, and I mean, I'm in more than happy to buy one once they're for sale. So <laughs> okay. either way is fine. Um, We're not great on doing. Um, I I need somebody to do that for me. Right. I'm not good at um, getting all that stuff out there and. You know, um, you have to do it. I know you have to do it, but uh, you know, I just think um, the music kind of speaks for itself. Sure, and, sure. And, but it's also, but it helps. It it's really nice helps. to worst case scenario conversation starter. Yeah. What's that? Oh, it's, <laughs> it's that my buddy's snail? band. Check it out. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I same deal. Like I uh, have a YouTube for this and a website, and I made sure that the web gal. I was like, make. I, I need a merch. It's it's just coming soon yeah like i need to get you know 25 or i don't know what number into this before pony up some cash and then i don't know like can i I think probably somebody else can source it and handle it oh yeah or you know maybe i bring inventory into my basement and every time somebody i gotta go to the post office and i don't know i don't (laughs) know we'll see we'll see but uh so um you said you're in another band as well. Um, yeah, so the Tiki Brawlers was formed. Tiki Brawlers. Man, that's going back probably four years. Okay. Um, and we'd gone through several members, but um, Ian Griggs, the singer, has been active in the Kansas City music community for a while. Um, uh, and he called me one day. He goes, hey, Buckner, you want to start a reggae band i said oh sure <laughs> i went i still had casey green but i wasn't doing anything besides that so i said okay that sounds fun i've never been in a reggae band before <laughs> um so that kind of turned into a ska slash punk band cool and we had some of the same horn players join us from casey green in the tiki brawlers ariana on sax and kadesh flow on trombone 
Um, and so we had put out two albums. Um, really? Mm-hmm. They're on, uh, I believe they're both on YouTube. Okay. One's called, um, I can't remember. <laughs> I'll, pu- I'll put it in the bio or in the description of the episode. Um, but uh, how did you, how were they, where were they recorded? How were they produced? We recorded both records at Marcosa Studios over in Roland Park. Okay. And my friend Mark Thighs, great producer. Everybody knows him in Kansas City. Um, I think he's got the best drum room <laughs> in Kansas. It's just beautiful drum room. You're isolated. It's about as big as the room here, but it's all stone, like hand-placed stone. And you're just in that room, and you just the drums just sound incredible. <laughs> nice. Okay. So we recorded that. Um, and we played, I mean, we were playing and then COVID hit and then that we took a, our momentum just stopped just like everyone else's did a couple years ago. Um, and it was good to get back into the original kind of punk scene again. Like I was doing when I was 17. Okay. And I kind of felt this. then at 17? Well, back then it was, I was still in my, progressive rock phase, Led Zeppelin phase, oh, okay, Jimi okay. Hendrix phase. But right. yet I was in a punk band, not listening to really punk music on my time. Wild. Off. It was weird. Okay. <laughs> so then fast forward and, and fast next. forward now, oh gosh, now now you find yourself in the same situation, but you have horns and it's a ska beat and I've never played this piece. So here I am going back to YouTube, like searching ska drummers and seeing how they play this stuff and just studying, you know, yeah. studying the police. I mean, yeah. Stuart Copeland, what a great, you know, rock reggae drummer he was. Um, That's a, like, so <laughs> I'm going to, this is going to sound terrible. Yes. But I mean, in my mind, jumping off point is the specials. And, oh, yeah, and then you get into like um, you know like outfits like let's go bowling, and then yes. it kind of like shifts into like boss tones and some of that more aggressive stuff. And then yeah. it kind of and then then it kind of takes a life of its own. You have this whole little sub. Then you sky. could go where you yeah right. Um, yeah, so I found myself in this genre of music that I've never played before with musicians that we haven't really hung out before and. <laughs> it was it was a good we wrote some good songs and with an original band you know you wrote you write 20 songs there's maybe one good one maybe one or two you know that you think like this could be this could be the one and so we had one like that come off the first record it was called worth the wait nice and um we're still just kind of waiting for somebody to stumble on that's like using it in a commercial or something right um and then the second record had a couple of good ones, I thought, too. We spent a lot more time, of course, on the second record, composing and writing. So you recorded them um, both at this place in yeah. Roland Park. And mm-hmm. then and then once everything was laid down, who who produced it? Who put it? Who like went through and listened? We had Mark produce it as well. Okay. So we didn't take it. We didn't take it another place. Um, to have someone listen to it with fresh ears and 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 want to make changes with it. We thought that we were happy with the sound okay. as musicians yeah. and we didn't really want to go through the 
time or trouble to have someone else listen to it and make us change a whole bunch of stuff or you know we just kind of wanted to put it out at that point sure covid was was still there we just like man let's just get this out so Um, is there um for that guy is there uh, a fee for the studio time and then a fee for him to produce two separate kind of deals yeah okay um so he'll just you know he'll just charge an hourly okay hourly fee so across the board yeah okay and then it goes by fast <laughs> let me tell you when you're sitting in there yeah now i know and you're working on your own material time just it just goes by so fast so then <laughs> how i mean does does the band have to like you know you, you play a gig and you you get paid and it's like everybody's going to get not a hundred percent of their portion because then we're, we're going to take a little bit to sort of have a, a savings account to pay for stuff like that. Or is somebody fronting it and then hope, hoping to get reimbursed or yeah, I, I pretty much fronted the recording sessions. Um, and <clears throat> you know, it was just, I knew I wasn't going to get too much of it back, but you know, it was just one of those things where like, let's just pull the trigger and do it. Um, now, when you play, you know, original shows or just especially maybe here in Kansas City, they're just, you know, they don't pay much. And um, if you're not too well known, they'll, you know, they kind of want you to pair up your own shows. So Meaning? We could, so we go back to like the old 90s where it was like a three band, four band, sometimes five band showcase. So... You would want to play the gig. You call the place. Okay, they'd say, okay, we'll give we'll give you a Friday night, but you got to bring two other bands. So find two other bands that complement you guys. Wow. Okay. So it's not a small ask. I don't. No. Think. So we'd go find um, these, you know, punk pop bands that would sound okay and open up for us, and um, you know, we do mini bar gigs. We did the Riot Room. Um, a number of times. It was kind of, they really, that was, like I said, I've been playing there since I was 17. One of my favorite clubs. I'm really sorry to see it turned into apartments, whatever they're going to do with it, because it was, honest to God, one of the best rock and roll clubs, along with Davies Uptown. You know, that burned down right before COVID hit. So that was another great place that had been there for years where I, again, played back in my high school days. And that was those places were just staples of original rock music in Kansas City um and great bars you know great bartenders the whole vibe was just it's gonna be missed you know yeah <laughs> um, I saw Buzzard Beach caught fire I too I mean god talk holy about, cow yeah. uh a lot of beers in that place yeah <laughs> the Buzzard Beach is now closed <laughs> if you ever heard that <laughs> you were not having an early bedtime that I night. met Les Claypool one night really they were playing with Mike Watt and the Minutemen. Oh, man. This was 92, I think, summer of 92. We were outside of Buzzard Beach on the deck, and he was sitting right behind me. And my friend, who's facing me, says, man, I think that's Les Claypool right behind you. <laughs> so, you know, we, I just turn around and introduce myself because I had tickets to the show the next night. I said, hey, Les, we're uh, my friend here. We're really excited to come see a play uh we're both drummers and you know at that time um herb alexander was on drums who was just 
freaking phenomenal, you know. Um, so he goes, he goes, and this is my best Les Claypool impersonation. He goes, don't throw anything on stage except big bags of weed. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good Les Claypool. <laughs> my boss just sent me uh, a couple days ago um, a Spotify. Oh, I guess it's an album called Coincidence is either hit or miss. Hmm. And it's cool. Mike Watt plays bass on all the songs, but just got different Damn. guitar players and drummers and singers. <laughs> and I was He's like, awesome. What? That's like the most Mike, Mike Watt. Watt thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I'm really excited. I've never really like given, I know Mike Watt is very loved and well respected. Yeah. I've just never given him the due diligence, but that right there might be there how go. I get in because that, that is cool. Any stuff with the Minutemen is really good too. Yeah, just yeah. really, just good rock stuff. So. Um, are you uh, are you into Oysterhead? Um, not really. No, no. I know who they are. Um, I mean, you've already you've listed two thirds of the <laughs> of the outfit already. <laughs> I know, right? Um, I I've listened. I mean, I've yeah. Um, it's not something I'd like turn on sure um now i've been it's funny that the last i've been wanting to get this project together for a couple years now but it just every time i do it and sometimes i think well it's never going to work but um there was a there's a couple bands out of the uk and europe called ones called morchiba uh yeah so i've been trying to get like a band like that together dude we had it um but it was I don't want to name any names. It just didn't work out. It was sure. it was pretty good, but it didn't work out. Um, I followed her on Instagram for a minute, oh, and man. then I was like, "She's she's not gonna call me up and ask for a date. <laughs> I don't need to follow her." Uh, but I um, one of my favorite things about this is uh, I I pick uh, like ten second intro and outro audio. Oh, cool for every episode. Um, twice and most of the episodes even though i keep them to 10 seconds get a copyright flag oh man which that doesn't mean they pull it down it just means if this were ever monetizable like it would go to yeah well, anyway yeah more chivas you know, it's uh, i've got a list of a whole you know a lot of uh, um tracks from artists that are sort of in that vein like yeah uh groove armada oh um, one of all-time favorites and god who's the other that's kind of a sibling zero seven i don't know them i'll check them out i want to they're really good um thievery corporation oh one of my favorite bands i've seen them four times five times really they're, yeah and they're another underground band that nobody knows that everyone needs to know about them so if I do <laughs> if I do a you know a ten second track from somebody like Thievery Corporation I can get it but Morchiba's big enough that even ten seconds uh, I mean I did episode three uh, th there was a lot she's a musician that is sometimes recording stuff um, uh, she's gone through some stuff that it just felt right to uh, you know the track be yourself. Oh yeah, yeah. So that that thing, I mean, it 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 opens with like a few acoustic guitar strums, and then you get a little yeah. And so I was like, that has to be. That's cool. And then it it got flagged, and then I picked another one recently as maybe I don't know if if I did intro or I and it got. I'm like fucking. 
Man. More cheap is too big for me to... Try Zero Seven. They're kind of basically okay. the same band. Okay. Oh. Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. Like same Down numbers? tempo. No, but it's oh. a down tempo okay. chill. Okay. Yeah, so... Fragments of Freedom is maybe still Ooh. my favorite record of theirs. Oh, yeah. Um, the way they have... Uh, I kind of... After Chirango, uh-huh. I kind of... I don't know if they've been putting stuff out still. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think I don't, so either. Um, Great band, though. Great band. A Thievery still touring. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they're... And they've been around for 25 years. That's crazy. But that whole subgenre of like down-tempo chill with a female lead over it. Oh, my God. You know, I mean, like, it's... I don't know why that's so hard to do in Kansas City. Um, but, but you're trying to... I, I've been trying to do it for a while. It's just... It's... it's it's number one. You have to f- you have to find the female lead who who's into it. We had Paula Saunders um, come and join. It was a fragment of Casey Green Band, but we played a couple tunes and we we did some more. We did Blood Like Lemonade. Okay. We did um, uh, another one I couldn't remember, but she nailed it. Nice, but. Was Durango the record that had Bismarcky on? Oh, I think so, yeah. Oh, he's also an R.I.P., right? I know. Fucking Jesus, man. Anyway, but, uh, that would be really, really cool if that cool. ever came to fruition. I know. It's And again, it's just finding the venue who will book that. What, yeah. It wouldn't work at the ship? It would probably work at the ship. Okay. Yeah, definitely. They're really open to... Um, different me you got to be good but they're right they're open to it um you know i just find that when i when i moved back from atlanta to kansas city <laughs> i forgot how i don't know how polarized we can be up here in the midwest where it's like you know there's 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 a lot of blues clubs here mm-hmm. there's a lot of there's no like if you look at all the open jams that happen they're mostly, you know, fronted by a blues band. And that's because, you know, it's open jam. They want people to come out and get their feet wet. And blues music is an easy genre to do that. Um, very accessible signatures. Very accessible. Um, but there's, you know, there's only a few a handful of places here in the metro where you can book an all-instrumental band and have people actually show up and watch you for two hours. <laughs> well, so immediately when I when I was saying come to fruition, my immediate thought is, hold like there you could really, really, if you could figure out how to make the draw happen, you could really open a lot of minds musically in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. And then the second thought I have is. There's also a lot of mines in Kansas City that don't want to be open. Like, I mean, and I'm not trying to be rude, but they just, yeah. you know, they'd rather, I, I like my uh, Muddy Waters. Yeah. And I like my Garth Brooks. It's a blues town. I mean, and it's a cow town. It's it's a bluegrass town. It's a country I town. I like my classic rock. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I love the Moody Blues and ELO. And and see, we need that. We need, sure. we need all that stuff. And all that stuff's I don't have any problem with any type of musical right. genre at all, or the people who listen to it. Uh, you know, as a musician, it's just everything is just kind of one palette. You know, you're just kind of looking at it, and you just have to find your little square of where where you want to play yeah, and man. who you want to play for. Yeah. Um, <laughs> should we take yeah. a quick quick break Let's do it. and then 
yeah. come right back. That's, that's Remember that? You know them? That's sort of like uh, when you go in Boston's and then into like that other tributary of aggressive punks, yeah. like, right? Isn't yeah. that who? They're kind of like, um, yeah, they're pretty progressive. Um, they're like musicians, musicians. Kind so, of. Thanks, all right. Man. Yeah, of Cheers. course. Cheers. Thank you. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Thanks for being here. Yeah, I love it. This is fun. Uh, so, uh, I'm really still an, an, a relative novice, but a guy named Adam Grandisil is sort of the brainchild behind the war on drugs. Okay. Um, and I think he c- can kind of play. I mean, g- he's he's lead vocals and guitar, but I think he can kind of. I think if 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 need be, he can go into a studio and put out a record that sounds like a five piece unit and, <laughs> and play all the things. Where are they from? Uh, Philly. Okay. Um, I'm pretty sure Philly. And um, I'll just have to listen to him maybe on the way home. On so, the drive home. but rock. Yeah. Okay. Um, Kurt, you know who Kurt Vile is? No. Dude, I gotta send you the both of these records. Okay, um, do it. So. I think Kurt Vile, I think Adam played with Kurt Vile for a little bit. Um, okay. And just got to write this down or I'll forget. Um, I think I think the War on Drugs has four or f- possibly five. They just put out a new one, like like very recently, which I'm 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 of the philosophy that you are not licensed to speak about a record until you've done three okay front to back you know yeah like and not just (laughs) doing dish like you listen to it you know what i'm saying yeah so that when you do casually listen to it, you already know the stuff whatever it's a stupid rule but (laughs) i i I, um i blogged i still blog occasionally but uh, and it started off. I was out in 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 Broncos country, uh, which you know John Den- John Denver John Elway, <laughs> kind of uh, you know knife in the back for many years. Oh. Was, wasn't even supposed to play for that team. Got drafted by the Colts, and his dad was like, "My son needs to play," you know. And so yeah. he, whatever. Anyway, and he you know <laughs> uh, was kind of the fourth quarter comeback king, and and the oh, yeah. number one team that he beat when trailing in the fourth quarter uh, far and away above other team chiefs. (laughs) So I'm living out there. Uh, I move out in 94 and in October of that year, uh, at the old mile high Elway leads, uh, fourth quarter, uh, come from behind, take the lead with like this much time on the clock and Montana reciprocated. Oh yeah. And we won. I remember that game. So anyway, uh, and (laughs) unfortunately, um, the Broncos won back to back Super Bowls while I was out there and in route to that first Super Bowl win traveled to Arrowhead as a wild card to face a 13 and three chiefs team. And we lost ten to seven, yeah. and like uh, or something like that, and or maybe fourteen to ten. I think it might have been fourteen. And and there was like a uh, Tony Gonzalez caught a touchdown, and they said he was out of bounds. Was bull- and there was a a bullshit like a uh, false start or a holding call. It was, anyway, um, so um, I, I don't know how I wound up on that tangent, but um, 
<laughs> the War on Drugs, uh, they just put out a recent record, um, and th- that's not... Oh, so when I, so I started a blog with two of the guys from the newspaper staff. Bron- okay. They're Broncos fan, lifelong, and so our, our blog was all kind of Chiefs Broncos. Oh. And we were like... We were generating like a lot of unique views, and we were we were like t- ticket brokers were putting they're paying us to put wow. links. Yeah, we were, we were selling shirts. Uh, we were getting traffic. I mean, it was like I was cool. literally like writing checks. <laughs> but you know, as it started to grow, I kind of became more like the, your assignments. Your three assignments this week are due. Da 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 da. Yeah, and then when they wouldn't come, it started to like put some friction on the relationship and I, I kind of just had to be, like, let it go. Yeah. Like it had its run. Uh, this is like kind of when Deadspin and with leather and all these kind of sports blow were like really exploding and kissing Susie Calber. And so we, <laughs> yeah. we were kind of like in there for anyway. So I just started blogging about my, the, the shit that I wanted to write about. So I did, um, I decided to do a top 25 Bob Dylan albums. Huh. Um, so I acquired the ones that I was missing and gave, I gave every record, even if I knew it by heart, I gave every record three listens and then ranked them all. And, and so this, uh, uh, somebody sent me, somebody's like, you got to check out a deeper understanding, which is the war on drugs, 2018 record. Okay. And it blew my mind. I mean, it's so amazing. And you can, it's, it's kind of like this, very um, uh, crisp, traditional. Uh, mu- they've put in the work as musicians, mm-hmm. but yeah, but there's yeah. also kind of an electronic feel to it. There's no, there's no electronics, but it just, it just has it feels like that. Yeah. And and then mm-hmm. he, uh, unintentionally or otherwise, he sounds a little like Dylan. Um, and okay. so 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 a grinders. Um, uh, they were in Oklahoma the night before, and he was like, we got to go to the Bob Dylan Museum. I was like, I didn't even know that was a thing. And oh, so he's up there talking. I was like, he is a huge Dylan. Like, that's, <laughs> that's not by accident yeah. that he sounds. Uh, but they're cool. they're really great. Um, and uh, like I said, I don't know exactly, like, what the initial Kurt Vile, Adam Grandesil relationship was if they're in a different outfit together. But Kurt Vile's got a, a record that is so freaking, it's like all I can listen to, right? Like if I don't get <laughs> at least my five favorite tracks in yeah. every day, I feel like a little withdrawal. Um, but um, I have gone for 10, I mean, cut out COVID. I've gone for 10 years to Fish's Labor Day three night run and outside of Denver at Dick's. Wow. Um, which has always been a blast. Um, I can't do festivals anymore. It's hard. So, so I've always gone with the same buddy that helps. <laughs> um, and for the first seven or eight years, we would drive out and camp. So the venue is where Colorado's version of sporting KC plays. Okay. And then next to it are three, community soccer fields so there's just i mean tents as far as wow. you can see and then you can just literally walk in and then there's a whole uh there's like a food truck court there's this family from uh wisconsin that brings down like five uh, four or five tractor trailers 
and they're they're all just it's just showers that's their business oh wow so i go cool. i get a hot shower every day i can shave and i'm you know i'm not just but it, so uh the, the you either get uh ga seats or ga floor and okay. my buddy and i it was always like we got to get ga floor so that we're down there and if if one of us doesn't and then we're like trying shenanigans with wristbands and, (laughs) and, and that was how it went until last year. And I had floor and he had seats and I was like, I'm not going down. And he's like, really? I was like, yeah, just fucking three, you know, consecutive nights, two 90 minute sets a night. It's hard. So, so we we literally went from (laughs) being, trying to do everything we can to be on the floor every night last year absolute last row and aisle seat so i the bathroom and the bar are right there so funny how our priorities change as we we still want to see the music dude and so like i can i can literally go pee and grab a beer and be back and the song same song yeah, because fish plays one song for well, twenty minutes. Not all of them, but <laughs> but before you're down there in the thick, and you got to find your way to, and then go all the way up. And yeah, anyway, not for me. Um, <laughs> so and then I mean, it's like we had we had a hotel room, and the U.S. Open was on, so we would literally just like sleep in, and then wake up and kind of get around to lunch, and then yeah. just lay and watch tennis, <laughs> yeah. and then figure out what we're going to do for dinner and go to the show. And it was <laughs> yeah. just ch- chill. And, and even, That's even cool. then set break night three, I'm like, fuck my feet are tired, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. so, so anyway, uh, as the years for this particular three night run have gone on every year is harder and harder with bots. Yeah. Cause they have a, they have a lottery so you can, you know, oh. t- for t- and then if you get shut out, then you're at the mercy of the public on sale. Right. Which, you know, two seconds and they're gone. Yeah. Um, so then it's like secondary market or am I trying to get tickets? So anyway, we both got shut out and he was like, you know what? Forget about, let's, let's go to Atlantic city. And I was like, all right. So I jump on and just, and I got, and it's three nights. So immediately, I guess. So first weekend in August, we're going to go. Yeah. Uh, the, the tagline running joke between us ever since, my purchase was confirmed was uh you know put your makeup on fix your hair up pretty and meet me tonight in atlantic City. Like, <laughs> yeah. uh so war on drugs that those three shows and that's i think that's all i have like for real for real right now what about you uh well bella fleck last night right that was right amazing uh my brother-in-law is gonna go check out dead and company this weekend in colorado both my brother-in-laws are huge Grateful Dead fans. It's kind of funny how that happened that way. Um, I saw them in 89 and 90 with Jerry um, at Sandstone. Nice. And, I mean, yeah, I would never, you know, I don't, I love the dead, you know, but I'm not married to them like some, like my brother-in-laws, you know. They, I just don't, you know, they're just not the same band, even though they they sound pretty good. Um, I think Jerry still was underrated as a guitar player lead. Um, I still prefer his voice over Bob Weir's. Um, yeah. You know, I just, 
whatever. I'll just leave it at that. But they're just not the same band. Well, and, I went. But they're out, still making a ton of money, aren't they? Jesus. Well, so so <laughs> I went out to see. I don't know if they're playing Folsom Field on the CU campus, but I went out for like three consecutive July Fourth. Uh, nice. And it's a Friday Saturday, and I mean the first year I was like, tickets are a buck twenty and a piece. Damn. That's that's for the dead. That's two fifty before I'm getting on a plane. There's no yeah. Airbnb. There's and this no was when Jerry was. No, with no, no. This is Dead and Co. Oh, this is Dead and Co. Yeah, this is oh, fairly recently. Okay, okay, okay. And the first year I was like, I don't know about this, you know, John Mayer character. Like I know his two <laughs> yeah. hits or what, but I I loved it. It was you so know, much he's, fun. He's he's the he's the real deal. I remember when they you know they had Herring with him for a little bit, and you know they finally they finally settled on him or. I guess the chemistry was good with him, but yeah, I mean, there's no doubt they still, they still jam. You know. Well, so I did it. I did it a second year. I'm pretty sure I did it a third year, and eventually I was like, they're not, you know, as as. And if you haven't like looked into this at all, like Mayor is like a when this before even before he he was kind of like a sort of a novice student of the dead uh-huh. but when this opportunity cropped up he really like dug his heels in yeah. and like you, you would see him posting shit like right now i'm really into 72 73 oh yeah i'm like that's anyway yeah um that's after, a, i mean he just got handed that I and mean, why wouldn't you well like, you're and carrying that whole band jeff jeff <laughs> Comenti. I don't know if it's Cementi or Cementi on the. I think it's Cementi on the keys. Okay, he's fantastic, uh, and Oteil Burbage on O'Teal, bass. Man. He's so awesome. amazing. Yeah, but uh, after uh, a couple years or three years in a row paying those prices and realizing they're really not adding songs to the, you know, it's like. They're sticking with. Yeah. They're, they're touring with that set list. Basically, they're mixing right. it up. They have. They have. They can. You know, do some set list variations across tour. But um, seeing them kind of July Fourth ish, same venue. It's like we're we're gonna get a U.S. Blues. You know, uh, on yeah, and for Fourth of July, we're gonna get it one more Saturday night, and we're definitely gonna get a China Rider. And it's yeah. just like I don't. I, I got it. You yeah. know, I, I like it a lot. It's really cool. I'm not going to keep doing it, though. Um, I wanted to ask you what we we're talking about albums. What is, and I don't think a lot of people do this anymore. Maybe audiophiles do. Um, what is what is your definition of an audiophile? Well, it's um, just someone who likes to listen. I mean, really gets into the record, really listens for production value you're listening to the reverb on the snare drum you're oh, listening man. to that's next level stuff on the guitar i mean you're really i mean you gotta you, you gotta do with headphones on if the mm-hmm. record's mixed mm-hmm. well but um so what's one record that that you like to listen to back to front without stopping i mean it's like it's got to be listened to back to front <laughs> um that War on Drugs record is a good one for that. Okay. Um, I mean, the f- the first, you know, the first time that I ever, I mean, there's, I, I really like, you know, from a young age was taken uh, babysitting and long cutting and then job money 
to Sound Warehouse and CD, you know, like riding my bike and, and yeah. just dumping all my money. Uh, so I had a, I had a really, I still do actually have quite an extensive cassette collection. Do you really? Yeah. I say, oh, I mean, I cool. sold some through the years, like in high school where yeah. it was like, cause I wanted to buy new music. So I would, you know, they're right. So where Sound Warehouse, which is originally Peaches, yeah, you know, Peaches, where it was oh, yeah. like, stone's throw there was a secondhand store oh yeah and i could take my tapes in there and get three tape buck. warehouse was it tape warehouse it was something but anyway i could take some tapes in there and 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 go get one new one or whatever but the first one um <laughs> that really really uh just keyed me in was physical graffiti oh um yeah. I yeah. mean, Led Zeppelin Four was my intro, and then I was like, "What is this? Like, holy smoke!" So then I went, "Yeah, yeah." Uh, I went. I was like, "Okay, one, two, three, and Houses of the Holy," and then I and then I finally had Physical Graffiti, and I don't know if I knew until I had it home that it was a double album. I mean, I knew oh, I paid a little I, bit more, but I was like. <laughs> Holy shit. So that that was that was a staple for a minute. Uh and then senior year, uh I got turned on to Fish and uh, I mean almost everything in their discography. Okay. For me, I mean there there's uh like so I mean Junta Lawn Boy Rift and Picture and I mean like almost all of their like I don't every time I want to I don't always do front to back. And 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 to, really to answer your question, like I don't do that right now. With yeah. oh, I mean, I don't but, either. But sometimes, sometimes you do. I mean, so funny story. Uh, I, I'm going to Boulevardia Friday. Oh yeah. I'm only going there because, um, so like around this time last summer when I'm like I, I now I got to get gear. The room's ready. I got to get gear. I got to paint. <laughs> yeah. I do all this stuff. But I also, all the while, I'm making a list of people that I want to ask. Mm -hmm. And um, I went, some friends were, high school friends were, you know, having people over. Uh, Melanie Markison, um, she's in my Margaret and I's class. And, and uh -huh. so I, I, she's super cool and into music. And I was like, I'm going to do this thing. You want? She's like, no. And I was like, what? <laughs> what? And she's like, I don't want to do that. And I was like, dude please and she's like no i was like all right so i came <laughs> okay. home and you know the the weekend it's the next week and i'm actually like just right outside building this table yeah and she texts me and says uh jenny lewis acid tongue and i was like what hmm. and she's like that's i was like You're, you'll do it and she's like yeah and i was like okay so i put on that record and i was like holy shit i love this i love this wow. and i listened to it like I don't, six, seven, eight times. Yeah. And then I was like, I got to see what else she has. And she has two other records, one of which I like. The other I like even better than the one she told me about. Cool. So I did. And, and that one's called um, On the Line. Um, and she's just really, really good. And, and cool. I mean, and, and if and you d <clears throat> dig into her. So she was in, um, she had a couple smaller projects, but then she was in Rilo Kyle. Ky Rilo Kylie, Kylo Riley, one of those. Oh yeah. Um, if they they've got a couple tracks that, uh, once I kind of dug into their, them, I was like, oh, I and but but what happened was, uh, 
um, my streaming service played me track one of that of that Rilo Kylie record, and I was yeah. I didn't know who it was. Yeah, and I loved it, and yeah. I listened to it over and over again, and I kept all right. Now I'm going to listen to the whole record, but I would keep going back to track one because I really. And then finally one day I was like, who who is this vocalist? And I looked, and it was her. I was like, well, no wonder I love it. So yeah, I reached out to her. And I was like, okay, now it's time for dates. And she was like, for what? And I was like, the podcast. She's like, I'm not doing that. And I was like, what? <laughs> you told me. Anyway, so, uh, and yeah, I've had the, the Kurt Vile record for a long time, but very recently I've been listening to it a lot. So much so that, you know, my kids are like, you know, how come you're not listening to Jenny Lewis and <laughs> or Kurt Vile? You still listening to Kurt Vile? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, but, but what made you ask? I was just wondering. I was just. I remember thinking the f- the first album, one of the first albums. It was was Radiohead's The Bends, and I don't know why, but that particular album, and I'll I'll still get that out and listen to that back to front. I just think it's a wonderfully produced album, and the w- the way they arranged those songs. Um, and after that, I just, I just stopped listening to them. Well, a lot so- of people got into them after that, but. Um, for whatever reason, um, and I didn't really listen to Pablo Honey that much. Their first record, but their second record had come out in that time of you know the golden age there of, of yeah, you know what we talked about earlier, and you know it's just one of those records, much like Siamese Dream mm. from the Smashing Pumpkins. Mm. Like every track on there is just. Man, so so there's some that are hard, there's some that are soft, there's some that are acoustic. I mean, it's just they just put a lot of stuff on that record. <laughs> so last night's the episode I recorded yesterday with my next door neighbor, his his record was in rainbows. Uh huh. And I was like, I gotta I gotta figure out what's going on because OK Computer was that for me. Now there now asterisk. Yeah. There's a couple tracks that are too much for me yeah. that I've always skipped, but for the most part, I love that record in its entirety. And I once I developed that relationship with that record, I went to the Benz and I went to Pablo Honey, and I was like, no. Nah. But that was tail end of college, uh-huh. that was many years ago. Like, who knows how I would feel today? Yeah. But I know that when um, after I developed this relationship with OK Computer, then Kid A came out. And I got that, and I was like, "Uh-uh." And then I didn't even listen to that. I don't think. Well, I just, and then um, so then Tom York put out like Eraser or something, and it was kind of the same. I was like, "No." And then I just checked out. Yeah. So to get ready for this episode, the In Rainbows episode, uh, I was like, "I gotta." And it's like, oh, they put out like several records in between Kid A and In Rainbows, and. It is, I mean, it's so freaking fantastic. Is it it yeah. is. I um, haven't checked up on what they're doing, but they they, they just they, seem like a band to me that were always out out there. I mean, they're really doing their own thing. They got their own sound. Yep. The they way put, they write songs is just a little different than, than everyone. They haven't put out a record since 2016. Is that right? Yeah. So here's this, I couldn't believe this quote. 
This is from Tom York. I believe in the rock album as an artistic form of expression. In Rainbows is a conscious return to this form of 45-minute statement. Our aim was to describe in 45 minutes as coherently and conclusively as possible what moves us. Hmm. And if you pull it up, it's like 46, it's like 10 tracks and it's 46 minutes. Just wham, yeah. bam. And and it's there's a couple couple odd tracks, but there are some like... Like beautiful, just like, and and I kept I kept thinking like this feels really really close to the heart. And another thing I came across mm-hmm. said that when they when they went to write this record that it it's sort of uh, um, a step away from this kind of political you know paranoid android yeah. kind of to to more a more personal feel. And it, okay, it, that I feel. I'll have to check it out. It's it's good stuff. Um, yeah, that's funny. You, you said like a forty-five minute record. That I think that was this norm back in the day, even well, less than. Um, in Atlanta, I was <clears throat> with a group, an original group before the jazz trio started. We were called High Eight, and um, great. We started off as a cover band, but we we put out one record with like I think six songs on it. It was like twenty-seven minutes, you know, <laughs> and. We played around. Um, we had a van. <laughs> uh, we had a great lead singer, <clears throat> still one of my true dear friends of this day. He lives in Charleston now, but Dave Kelly um, had a just big, big guy with a big voice. Um, but you know, when you're down in Atlanta, you were <clears throat> you could travel four hours in any direction and be in another state at another bar and. That was the great thing about living down there in the South. Um, you can't get to Florida in four hours. <laughs> no, but you can get to you could get to Carolina, Auburn, yeah, you get to Carolina, yeah, yeah. Um, Mi- almost to Nashville, Mississippi, or uh, um, not not Na- um, yeah, Mississippi. But we do we do gigs over in Auburn a lot. Okay, they'd like us over there. Nice um, Augusta. We'd go down yeah, to Augusta yeah. and play. <clears throat> um. But that band, I mean, that band kind of dissolved too after a while. Um, we don't even have that CD digitized for on YouTube or anything. I think we sell like 500 CDs in boxes. Oh, man. Wow. <laughs> that so, was recorded in 2000. Wow. We did that record in 2000. So, again, going back to that uh, sort of front end for the studio time, the production, like, there. so are, are you 100% like, uh, that I'm I'm happy that I made that investment and it's not going to come back to yeah. me and that's okay. <clears throat> yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, unfortunately, you have to, you know, you have to put up a little bit. Um, but yeah, I don't have any. There's no regrets okay. in this business because you go in thinking that, well, you're never gonna, you know, you're you're doing this for your own. <laughs> you know for your own brain kind of you know you're, you're not going to like well i'm going to make a am going to be a millionaire through right this, or i'm going right. to i expect to make this tonight and there's you know there's some guys out there that you know they expect to make a certain amount when they play um and they guarantee you know they want that guarantee that's fine um but i don't think that's realistic especially in this day and age you know we played at the ship the other night and you know, with the economy and, and gas prices the way they are right now, I you know, I just told the audience, man, we really appreciate you guys being here and spending twenty bucks. I mean it was a ten dollar cover. You know, you're 
paying for some drinks. He drove. I mean, that's right in this day and age. That's a lot of money to come out and see a live man. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, um, but I think people want to get out still for live for sure. music. For sure. I and mean, I think that's one thing that people will pay for out of pocket is to go see live music. Uh, and and maybe to a lesser extent, uh, maybe a varying extent, but stand-up comedy, you know, is yeah. like a thing that people will get out and go to. That too. It's similar in that um, it's this gathering of strangers that share a very, very, very <laughs> similar interest. Yeah. And you all sort of get to experience the euphoria yeah. together. Even if you don't meet anybody new, you all... You're all there for yeah. a reason, yeah. Uh-huh. So that's funny. Yeah. Um. So so mom uh was into Elvis and dad oh, was God. into Motown. Both, yeah, kind of both in the Motown, but both. Um. Just I remember they brought home the Blues Brothers record oh, from wow. the movie one day, and that record really hit me as like, man, because it had. You know, Aretha Franklin on mm-hmm. there, Ray Charles. I mean, all these greats on this record. And when I started playing the drums, that was the first kind of cassette that I would play to. Nice. Because all these great arrangements, but as a drummer, they were fairly simple to pick up, you know, just kind of backbeats, you know. But it taught me a lot about playing in the pocket and... Oh, wow. And just <laughs> staying there and like... You know, the Peter Gunn theme, that drum beat does not change the whole song. So you're just playing the same beat. And that really taught you, as a drummer, uh, you know, there's a lot of discipline. I want a you to lot. be I want you to be so good I don't even notice you. Dude. <laughs> you know, kind of that right? mentality. Uh, any other things that mom and dad were playing that kind of stuck around? Beach Boys. Okay. Nice. So I got to hear all those great harmonies. Yeah, yeah. Listening to those harmonies. The Eagles. Okay. Um, But nothing crazy. Right. Nothing psychedelic. Nothing. And I only got that later on. Well, so then. Because I didn't hear any of the stuff. Yeah. So when like Zeppelin came around and Rush came around, I'm like, oh. So was there a a first like non mom and dad record that you heard or a record that you went and bought or um since yeah since my uncle had played drums he was he was playing there in columbia i remember seeing moving pictures oh yeah 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 as a record you know and looking at that album cover and thinking this is kind of a strange you know, these people moving pictures. There's a half-naked guy in front of a red pentagram star. What's going on? And then you open up the the record, and you see just these three guys. And, the you know, the picture is like long exposure. So you see, you know, like 30 frames of Getty and Alex and Neil all with their instruments. And they just look like, man, these guys, <laughs> these guys are doing something crazy. Well, so... When I reached out to you, by the way, how do you how do you know Cheerheart just from Indian Hills? We yeah, and we played basketball together. In okay, grade. okay. <laughs> um, man, he we were terrible. He is such a trip. He is such, a trip. Such a speaks so highly of you. Oh my by God. the way, he gave me, and I'd have to look because I don't remember. He gave me one other person's, and I same like 
I fired off to you, and I fired off, to, and I don't think they ever responded. Oh, really? And I was like, oh. opposite ends of the spectrum. That's weird. Because you're like, yeah, let's do it anyway. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so <laughs> you you hollered back with uh, moving pictures rush, which is eighty one. Yep. And then Zeppelin one, which Zeppelin is sixty nine. Sixty nine. And Axis Boulders Love, which is sixty sixty eight. 67 67 so um man when i get a list of it's 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 a mixed bag right like um uh, a lot of these episodes have been uh, one album or three albums or a bunch of albums that i've never heard before and so i really have to dig in oh yeah and like you know pay attention but you know those three records (laughs) it's kind of like but nevertheless i I revisit them and i just a quick glance like look some stuff up so so funny that you mentioned the cover art for moving pictures because uh it's described as a triple entendre so you have these people that are moving pictures and then the people that are watching the pictures be moved are having emotional reactions because the pictures are gorgeous okay And, and then yeah the moving the people witnessing the moving of the pictures is being filmed or or by like a crew like you know oh yeah i I never noticed that i only had it on cassette so i didn't have the full. and i was like really that is wild i didn't think about that um so you so so your mom's brother Mm -hmm. introduced or or gave you a copy or how did this introduce me to him okay and i just he was just he was listening to him a lot and i just that album cover was out on the turntable and I just was looking at it. And this was this was before I mean I was probably like eight or nine. I was still playing piano. I had no idea. Um and so that you know, I'd never listened to him. I saw the album, but I didn't get back into him until I was like fifteen. Yeah. You know, so it took a long time. And all those bands came at me at once it was it was rush and then it was zeppelin and hendrix they are all like once i started getting into the drums that it was just a whole nother wave of music like man it just unlocked and i couldn't stop listening to all these guys you know um i mean when you hear um how many more times when that when you hear that bass line and you that's just the heaviest thing i'd ever heard i made one note for that song fun bass and guitar gain killer finish to the record i mean but moving pictures um like kind of you know in that sort of uh 45 minute radiohead and rainbows feel and this is the heyday of of the making of records, the seventies yeah. spilling into the eighties. Yeah. And and I've I talked about this a bunch, but if you're and it sounds like you've your outfits have been like largely surrounded with good vibes, mm-hmm. but uh, often you have a band that at least at least back then a, a series of events has to happen for say an Atlantic Records. Uh-huh. to pony up yeah. for some studio time. And then you guys have got to, if you don't already have your act together, you got to get your act together. Yeah. You got to show up. You got to be on time. You got to be efficient. You got to know, hopefully your songs are already written you yeah. know, and you're not like spending, <laughs> but yeah. you, you got to choose what songs are going to go on, what the order is going to be. 
and hope mm-hmm. that it, who, David Geffen or whoever signs off on it. And, yeah. and f- so many fights. Oh, you know, uh, people, people storming out of recording sessions. And yeah. Anyway, uh, of all the elements that go into recording and producing and releasing a record, like they had to know that Tom Sawyer was a monster. They had to know, oh, and yeah. they went and they went track one. Yeah. Like yeah. You here I, we go. Well, and so it's like if it, and I, maybe I'm wrong, but I assuming that they knew that it was a monster. Why not feature a couple of other tracks, you know, and then and drop Tom Sawyer in the three or the four hole. Anyway, it's just <laughs> fascinating to me that they lead off with it. But yeah, um, yeah. there's really, in my mind, not much left to say about that song. Like it's it's it it was so big that almost it almost overshadowed the rest of the record. I mean, um, it's one of those songs that and Neil spoke about this all the time. It's just it's hard to play every time you play it. And you can never get really comfortable, even practicing to it. Um, it's just, it's an endurance song. And every time you play it, you just have to be 100%. You know, you just you can't relax on it. <laughs> I mean, you're doing those 16th notes on the hi-hat, and it just doesn't quit. Um, but yeah, so... So that song, I mean, everybody knows that song. When you say Rush, oh, yeah, didn't they write Tom Sawyer? But um, to me, their earlier stuff, you know, their their really progressive stuff, um, that really trained my ear on like, oh, here's what a seven, eight-minute song sounds like. It has different movements. You know, you can, (laughs) you know, there's there's, uh, so much stuff going on with one song sometimes. Like, yeah, I'd never heard that before, you know. All these Motown songs were two and a half minutes. Right. Well, <laughs> so I did this thing where, and I, you know, whatever, it doesn't matter, but I, I, I went out and I got my cassette copy and I would just, Tom Sawyer would end and I would rewind and listen to it again. <laughs> and, and then I would like move on, listen to something else. And so often that like, um, if I would want to hear Tom Sawyer, I would catch every once in a while, I wouldn't have rewound it. Like what a slouch, you know? <laughs> and then one day it was like, let's how about give the rest of the record a listen and uh, Red Barquetta. Oh uh, yeah, I mean, man, killer track, killer track, killer story, and oh. and a six minute eleven second track in the two <laughs> slot. Like we don't give a fuck, you know? Like yeah, your three forty five <laughs> or your four ten. Like we're gonna do, we're gonna bring it. Hmm. Um. Uh, you've mentioned YouTube quite a bit. I, I assume you're aware of the existence of reaction videos. I don't know what those are. Oh yeah, I do. Okay. Where they listen to a band for the first time and or they... watch a comic or watch a movie. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of good rush reaction <laughs> videos out there. Yeah. And, um, YYZ, <laughs> is no exception um the, there's the, i've seen a lot of them the if, if you're interested at all a good one to start with is uh these two dudes lost in vegas okay and the, and um i gotta go back to my <laughs> notes to of stuff to send you um vegas like they don't know and the thing about reaction videos man it's like there's an element uh, in writing. There's a there's a thing called s- suspension of belief, 
And so yeah. you you like you're watching a movie, and this guy he he goes out his front door and down his porch and down the sidewalk, and then the next scene they cut to he's walking up somebody else's sidewalk, and you know that it's like a thirty minute walk, but four oh. sex. So you just you yeah. go oh well okay, but. So there's a lot, I mean, I think there's a lot of people doing the reaction video thing because they want to grow to the point where they're being monetized and they yeah. would like to make a living doing it and good for them. But you could probably fake it pretty good too. That's, that's where I'm going with this. Like, I think, <laughs> you know. I think there's some people, um, that, uh, say, this is my first time, but it's not. Anyway, uh, these guys, at least in in this case, like they don't, you know, and they they'll pause and yeah. talk about stuff, and you know, they're kind of like, whoa, whoa, what's going on here? And like, when's he? When when are the vocals coming in? And oh, then yeah. and then they really get in. Rush really gets into what YYZ is, and they're like. Like, yeah. <laughs> and and it's I mean there's never in my mind been a song written like it and probably never will be again. It's yeah, it's the quintessential instrumental I think every musician wants to master if you're into that, you know. It certainly was you know, if you could play YYZ in high school then yeah, you future is bright. You wanted to play with that guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh so what is the glass shattering sound? I believe it was um, sticks of plywood that he somehow smashed in the studio and recorded that. Cool. Because I'm not sure, but if you read in the liner notes under what Neil Peart plays, it says, you know, Is that drums, the proper gong, pronunciation? Peart? Peart? Mm-hmm. Really? Mm-hmm. I've said Peart for Peart. decades. It's Peart. But okay. they list all this stuff, you know, glockenspiel, triangle, mm-hmm. and then plywood. So I don't know okay. if that stuff you're hearing, it sounds like something breaking. I was like, well, maybe it's just someone breaking a two by four right. or something. So I don't really know how they got that. <laughs> really cool regardless. Yeah. Um, so when when he passed away. Um, oh, man. I'm the, still getting over that. Yeah. I mean. A lot of people are. Yeah. There was. Um, and. And. I'm sure for like super fans, this was not news, but I had never seen this. Uh, in my mind, it's now famous. Uh-huh. I had never seen this overhead shot of his kit mm-hmm. until he passed oh, okay. away. Wow. And I, yeah. I, I, I mean, I made it my Facebook profile picture for <laughs> a month or something. And it, like, it looks literally, it looks unreal like yeah i I see it and i'm like there's i i think there's like 17 symbols and also like where does he walk in like there's so much happening like yeah it's uh it's more of like one instrument kind of you know uh yeah i mean that was that was a part of him that was a part of his sound um what do you mean one instrument just like there was the drum set. It was like one tom or one cymbal. The oh, whole thing oh, was yeah. just a unit that he got behind and just strapped on like a motorcycle, man, mm-hmm. and just played it. Crazy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know uh, how accurate this is, but uh, if you, for lack of a better word, we're going to use the term hit. Mm-hmm. 
if you if you made a list of all the rush hits uh i feel like limelight doesn't get the love it deserves i think that is absolutely beautiful beautiful track that tells an amazing story yeah. about what they are doing yeah. as musicians yeah and it's just kind of like oh yeah that's it's a rush song it's like no man um that's one they consistently played live mm-hmm. um when i saw them a lot so yeah it's i a, saw them for the only time i ever saw them was for roll the bones at, and i think it was at kemper yeah great show and was they that, they did uh i never that primus opening up might have been or Mr. Big. Mr. Big. It was Mr. Big. It was Mr. Big. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, but I had never seen, and I still have never seen, uh, another artist do a medley. Oh, Where yeah. they kind of run through yeah. snippets of a bunch of songs, and it kind of just rapid. That was cool. That was really cool. Yeah. That was a good tour. Yeah, well, and that was a good record, too. That was a good I record. I mean, it didn't get a lot of notoriety, but that's some really good tracks on it. It came out during the grunge phase. Yeah. That was their, they still... It was rock and, you know, uh, but they still maintain their progressive edge and just, um, yeah, it's just, um, it was funny because every time I'd go to one of their shows, um, and I saw them a lot, it was, um, you know, it's just all these, you would see all these musicians, you know, it's just like it brought all these, because no one else was at the time was like blowing people's heads off. Right. Really. Right. Especially in the rock because you had... Because you still had the hair band thing going. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I and, mean, uh, Mr. Big, they were kind. Of, they came up out with that. Yeah, I'm the one. <laughs> but aside from that, they were kind of a hair band, right? A little yeah, bit. Yeah, and you still had the cheese going on. You still yeah. had Bon Jovi. You oh, still had, God. and then, but then you had Rush, and they were just kind of head and shoulders above. Just they just rose above all that kind of Guns and Roses stuff. They were just Rush. They were just kind of out in their own thing. What was all, the t- all those years, you know? There were two big tracks from Roll the Bones. One was the title track, and yeah. the other was uh, Ghost of a Chance. That, that one in Dreamline. Dreamline. Oh, yeah. 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 Nice. That was cool. Uh, That's a great song. The Camera Eye kind of feels uh, like an odyssey. And it also, does. also, like, the uh, uh, Camera Eye is a line from. Is it Limelight or is it Tom Sawyer? It comes. It's the fourth track, so it's on. It's no. I mean, it's it, the phrase "caught in oh, the camera's eye." Caught in the camera eye. Is that that's Limelight? Yeah, that's that's from. Limelight. So you get you yeah. get like a, a mentioning of yeah. the notion, and then you get a song yeah. called that, and it's like you guys are really <laughs> in your own head anyway. Yeah. Um, this is maybe the most fascinating thing to me, and I didn't know this. Uh, so witch hunt. Part three of fear, and I was like, "What? What? What does that mean?" And so you have the weapon from Signals, Signals. off of '82, yep. the enemy within from Grace Under, Under Pressure '84, Freeze from Vapor Trails in 2002. That's yeah. And so, uh, so if you take Witch Hunt, the weapon, the enemy within, and Freeze, it's a four-part story or whatever that spans 20 years it's a four-part trilogy uh, yeah yeah exactly and it's like i don't know neil was good about doing that i remember he had one one off roll the bone that instrumental i don't where's remember. my thing oh and it, he put it the caption under it was part four of the gangster of boats trilogy <laughs> uh and it, it closes with vital signs and i mean it's like what, what is that oh, seven man. tracks yeah see like, that was 
But I mean, um, one of these is is the camera eye t- like ten plus? It's up there. I mean, it's not short. I mean, no. uh, you think Red Barquetta at six plus in the two slot is long, and then you get down the camera eye, which is the first song on the second side of the album. Mm-hmm, so it's like mm-hmm. it's about like eight or nine. I okay, think. it's up there. Really good record. Really good record. Um, Man. and you know, I don't mean to keep you know coming back to this, but um. Uh, uh, Tom Sawyer kind of maybe overshadowed the rest of um, obviously some, some some folks know Limelight and even f- probably fewer folks know YYZ. Yeah, if you're a Rush yeah. fan, those are those are those are no slouches, right? But you know, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot to be said for the other four tracks on the record. Yeah. Like anyway, uh, certainly worth a visit if you know you never have sat down and done a front to back or back it's a good one to do that is true um so axis bold is love um in my mind uh i had uh i don't know if you knew ian gordy um yeah okay yeah so he he was playing solid gold easy with john brick right for a minute yeah um he came on and did. He he chose Electric Ladyland. Oh, I, I I knew I always so so. I went to six grade schools. Like I was okay. moving all the time. Yeah, and then wow, and then we land in PV, and I go to Prairie, and then and then move again. You know, it's like. Yeah. But now everybody's moving. Yeah, yeah. And so we had uh, first hour, which. I think back on this, and it's like, why are you making seventh graders take life science at eight <laughs> o'clock in the morning? But we had life science with Dave Taylor. Oh yeah, and so we had those table, those Lab big tables, black tables yeah. that would seat two, and yeah. it was alphabetical. So Gordy, we sat, we sat next to each other, and we were we. I was so so tiny until like senior year. I grew like just shot. I thought oh, I was anyway. So you know, Ian's this massive dude, and I'm tiny. And he was kind of the first person from another grade school that I got to know yeah. just randomly. And so I knew since <laughs> back then that he was a Hendrix fan. Oh. So when he hit me with Electric Lady, and I was like, oh, man. What, I, I knew you were going to do that. What took you so long? <laughs> um, but uh, so in my mind, when I would go and do the, the, the cassette shopping, uh, buying tapes, like there was he remembers having access or options of like 10, 11, 12 Hendrix albums. And to me, there was always only three. Yeah. And, and I remember yeah. like uh, radio one came out and then all of a sudden a couple other things yes. were sort of, but they all seem to always kind of feature tracks from other previously released records. And it, but so for the longest time in my mind, it was like, why are there only three Jimi Hendrix albums? But there, there were, those are just, Jimi Hendrix experience. Right. So you've got Ladyland, Are You Experienced, and Bold as Love. And to me, Bold as Love has always been my favorite. Um, I just like the writing on that and the arranging on that and his lyrics. It just seems like, um, I don't know, it's just one of those that just stuck out to me. I'm a huge Hendrix fan. Yeah, man. Um and I don't know why he spoke to me so much as a drummer, but right, I just well, I, you, I <laughs> yeah, I think you have, uh, you know, sort sort of like the Doors, you know, you got 
it's Jim Morrison. And it's like, there's three really good musicians yeah. back there, like <laughs> yeah. tearing shit up. Jim's yeah. not doing, Jim's doing a lot of drugs and a little bit of singing. Uh, <laughs> right. Those guys have to rehearse, yes. you know, he just has to show up. Yeah. But so I think that you get, you know, the other two, and it's, uh, is it Noel Redding? Mm-hmm. Mitch Mitchell. Mitch Mitch. Like, I, you know, I think very few people recognize that, they were they were kind of top notch dudes, man. And you go again. You go back to a trio setting, which I just I like being in a trio. Um, I like the chemistry. It's probably my favorite um, configuration. Yeah, I mean, if I could do it, I would. I would find I would work in a trio most most of the time. I'm, I'm a pretty huge CZ Top fan too. I mean, you yeah. talk about underrated rock bands. I mean, totally Americana, yeah. Like, they put out some killer they, records. They were good. They were very, very good. Yeah, R- underrated. R.I.P. to, uh, to Billy, right? No, Dust, Dusty. 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 Um, so you got the yeah. funky little EXP intro track. <laughs> yeah. Um, up from the skies, kind of like a just sort of beautiful coasting, See, trippy feel. Yeah, the, the arrangements on that yeah. album were just a little... Just more complex, I think. It's such a shame that he died. Yeah. Because I think he was one of those individuals who um, wanted to keep just improving and and just doing different things. Yeah. I mean, who knows? I mean, you know, a lot of people said, well, he would have gotten together with Miles Davis and done this or... You know, gotten together with the Rolling Stones and and toured with them. I mean, who knows what would have happened. Maybe not. Yeah. He could have just kept doing his own thing too. But he could have been like I just think of him as just ah uh, it was such a tragedy that he was just he was going to keep changing music, you know, and yeah. people were going to keep being influenced by him whatever he did. <laughs> he did um this kind of blew my mind. Um Gypsy Eyes off Electric Ladyland, mm. fifty takes. No kid. Till they till, and I guess wow. I guess he was when it came time to in being in this. I guess he was kind of like, nope, nope, like just sort of perfectionist. Yeah, um, I can see that. Uh, yeah. So I, I came across a line that said most critics uh, consider this the least memorable of the three. Is that right? Jimi Hendrix experience? I'm like, what? Wow. Who are these most critics? <laughs> I want their email addresses. Yeah. Um, Interesting. Spanish Castle Magic. Oh, just probably my favorite I, off the record. It's so beautiful. Man. It just rips. Like, And I, I mean, I say a lot of stupid stuff, so why not just continue with that? <laughs> but I mean, I just feel like, like s- songs like that weren't written before. You, you didn't. You, yeah. you know, there wasn't like a Spanish right. Castle Magic blueprint where you listen to that and you're like, oh, he's doing his Mick Jagger, blah blah blah, it's, or Fleetwood. it sounds like this. Yeah. Yes. None. Yeah. That's that's why I think I like it. Just it. Every song on there just sounds completely original. So, Even coming from Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. Like, holy crap, dude. Wait until tomorrow. Ugh. Has a vibe that I think is, if I gun to my head, my all time favorite. Hendrix sort of vibe, yeah, to a totally. Because yeah, you can shred, 
and you can do some psychedelic things and you, good drums in that too. Yeah, and it's just like, what is this? It's sort of like the the wardrobe to Narnia. Like what? what? <laughs> There's a whole other yeah. Um, ain't no telling. It feels it feels a oh, little man. like Stone Free. It, yeah, it does. Kind of. I don't know how else to. <clears throat> it's got that feel to it. Yeah. Um, Little Wing kind of became kind of became its own little it chapter in this in the Hendrix. Once Stevie Ray got and did that, everyone thought it was Stevie Ray, and they're like, "Oh no, go back!" To I, I know. <laughs> Which you know, the, you can go the opposite direction with uh, all along the Watchtower. Yeah, which different. Yeah, we're not talking about that record, but I mean, like, and and impossible to compare the two, but like, you know, uh, he really took that and said, no, I didn't write this song, but I'm rewriting it in a way that almost yeah. make you forget the other one. Yeah, even, I uh, uh, good art, good album art on Axis too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Real psychedelic. For sure. Just like this album's going to make you happy and it's just going to be out there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not your typical Hendrix experience, let's say. Um, uh, I didn't have a whole lot to say uh, about if six was nine or you got me floating. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, Hendrix kind of had that way. We had, he'd kind of write something and just let the thing, let the beat go in and say something else. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Kind of like that uh, vibe, but, uh, castles made of sound, sand, hip, ba- bouncy. I mean, oh man, hard not to dig. Uh, totally. She's so fine, absolute she's shredder. So oh man. Um. Yeah, and his his guitar sound on that too. I mean, it was just. I don't think I've ever seen a documentary of how that album was recorded. I'm sure it's out there, but I would like to see. Um, just I'm sure he tried a lot of different things on that album. Well, I mean as far as recording wise or maybe he was putting the amp in a different location or miking it differently or I don't know. Just I mean, like, I think he was I don't want to say hands on, but I think he was very involved with the board too, you know, and maybe not actually potting up and down and twisting right. knobs, but aware and you know, hey, let's do let's see yeah. what this, you know. All that stuff was really new back then too. One rainy wish um, is like um, to me. It's this sort of Indian, Latin, African, yeah, totally. And just all um, kind of spills out uh, and gorgeous vocals. Yeah, and um, see, that's another thing with Hendrix. He was um, he would insert some of that. Um, how, what do you want to say? Um, just organicness back into it sometimes with some of the percussion and uh, maybe some of the overdubs that he did on it to make it sound like it was more um, native kind of. I don't know, but yeah, definitely on that one. And like <laughs> maybe not with much intention. Yeah. Maybe he was intentional, but it sort of seemed like it was just kind of oozing out of him. Yeah, like, I'm which sure. makes it even, even me, better. Yes, absolutely. You can feel it. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Little Miss Lover. I mean, so Bold as Love it, it might be my all-time favorite Hendrix tune. It, to me, it's an absolutely perfect song. Um, and the major nerd in me <laughs> believes 
that nine times out of ten, if Fish covers a song, they do it better than the original. <laughs> yeah. And uh, <laughs> they've done some wonderful covers of bold is love and i'm not trying to say that it's it's apples and oranges right yeah, yeah i'm yeah, not yeah trey versus jimmy and their live sound versus his studio thing but they and and page page takes the vocals and okay you know, my mellow in this case is not so you can he just is yeah. like a kid in a candy store <laughs> um and it's just i don't i mean I absolutely love that tune. Yeah. And it's, again, I feel like it's just what other song like kind of pops and then is sort of just spilling. You know, no, no, no. it's just it's fantastic. And then yeah. you get like all literally like this phenomenon where uh you're talking about feelings and emotions and colors and you can <clears throat> you can see them. It's like you can see, you know, I don't know. It's just a really wild um, creation in that track for me. There was, um, I don't know how I found the CD. I worked at a record store. Well, it was Peaches, the old Peaches. It was yeah. like Blockbuster Music or something. Yeah. And so we could special order from employees. So my friend had this catalog. It was like, you want a special order a CD? Like imports, you know. And so. Those were never cheap. No, but this one was a particular album with Timothy Leary. It was like a spoken word Timothy Leary with Hendrix playing over it, improvising. What? Yes. You still have this? No. Mm. But it, I think you can find it on YouTube. Sure. Um, it's but it's this. It's just this Hendrix. I don't know what track it was, but it is awesome. It's instrumental. And instrumental with spoken word with Timothy Leary wow. talking over it with this reverb going on and it'll, yeah, you need to be sitting in the couch because right to listen to it. But, and it, and, and then it just goes off with Timothy Leary, like 30 minutes, just like, okay, this is right. Turn it off after yeah. that. But, but the Hendrix stuff at the beginning is like, what is, how did he hook up to record this? And somebody, <laughs> but it's Hendrix, man, and it just grooves hard. That's man. cool. It just grooves. So we go 81, skip back to 67. Now we take a small step forward to 69 with, uh, do you, uh, you man. know, ever, so everybody's like, um, it's not Led Zeppelin 4, and it's not Zoso. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's what, but what about the first one? The first it's one. Just Led Zeppelin, or do you just, call it Led Zeppelin 1? Led Zeppelin 1, I guess. Well, okay. Um, um, but that one, man, it just, that band hit me as hard as, as anything when I first heard them, um, because they took what I liked with Hendrix with the kind of the R and B blues, you know, stuff. And then God, you just have this drummer that's taking these blues songs and just inserting this huge bass drum snare drum groove over everything and just making it sound like a sledgehammer and then john paul jones who's completely underrated. i don't want to say underrated but i do <laughs> he is underrated but God, not man, many people realize that he was bass player he was taken on bass Dude. and keys and keys and occasionally played a little and arranging a lot too. yeah i mean you had those two guys in your rhythm section i mean 
anybody could have played over that shit. Dude. Well, I mean, <laughs> obviously Bonham, you know, if you know instrumentation or specifically drums, you go kick as but I mean, he could also dude, he could hit everything. It was so fast. In a rolling kind of yes. like just that Whoa. was the thing. I mean, that was the thing about him. He was as fast as Buddy Rich, but just and no one has ever been as as powerful and just in your face as he has, and still maintain the pocket. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's so hard to do, dude. Um, <laughs> and so you know, first record, first track, good times, bad times, dude. which is just uh, you talk about the way that Hendrix track, you know, ax, uh, the way Axis kind of yeah. Bang, yeah. You know, it's, it's just burning. Like, like what's coming? Who opens what's a coming? track and a record with that? <laughs> and then you kind of get that that bottom splash Man. to kick it off, and and then and then guys? so you're however many layers deep before you get the opening lines to the you know in the days of yeah. you know, before the story's even being. You're like, whoa! I got to rewind. That was wild. Dude. What's happening? And then the chorus, you know. Yeah, and then uh, I've always really, really loved the, uh, the f- that final bant, and then a pause before you get you know it's just like holy shit, man. Yeah, perfect. You guys are breaking all kinds of oh, man. barriers that in, yeah. in a good way. This is sixty nine. I mean, it's just like you know, uh, this people would just be like, "What the hell is this?" Um. Now, so I, I told you, you know, four was kind of how I dove in. Yeah. And, and then I, I went one through three, House of the Holy Fit. And, and there's a lot of different part. I mean, I was, it's a little embarrassed. Like, if you get my high school buddies around, like, you and make them talk, like, <laughs> all you listen to is Led Zeppelin. It's like, that's not, that's not true. But yeah. I did listen to a lot of it. <laughs> Every, yeah. I mean, everyone went through their phase where, like, they didn't write a bad song. But I mean, I don't um, think they did, but. <laughs> well, Led Zeppelin? Yeah. I, Coda and Presence? I mean, there's a lot of good stuff. I mean, that. Okay. So off Coda, I remember. KY-102 played Bonzo's Montreux, right? Just the drum track. I'm like, I didn't know who it was. Right. I'm like, what is this? Pretty cool. And it was only a couple months later that someone was playing. I'm like, I just heard that on the radio, but yeah. they never told you who yeah. it was. Um, so, you know, I, I, my sort of journey was like a lot of WHB. Okay. A lot of oldies. It's all yeah. I really heard in the car. Yeah, and then we had too. we had a record player and we had a few records and then and then just a really long swath of nothing but the fox. <laughs> and just sort of living in classic rock land forever. <laughs> right. Until I I loved it so much then I became kind of miserable. Just you know, anyway. Right. Um It can I, do that to you. I think um and so so I thought that I was whatever level knowledgeable of music and then i heard babe i'm gonna leave you and i was like i don't know anything like (laughs) like you know just the way the sort of slow plucking kind of and the plants fucking and echoing and just i mean they're they're working on the, the if the track's five minutes long 
yeah. for three minutes and 45 seconds, they're working on the buildup. Right. And then everything just explodes. It's just like, oh, I didn't, I didn't know you could do that. Good song to listen to when you break up a song. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then they really just kind of turn everything on its head with You Shook Me. Oh. You kind of get this sort of muffled Man. lyrical intro to the song and then just right into grungy oh blues, God. right? See, and that's, they they just dropped it so hard on that. You know, they, like you said, it can be a little acoustic with just Robert Plant and Paige and then, and then the rhythm section kicks in. It's just so heavy, mm -hmm. man. You know, it's just like, but it's still the R&B, you know? It's just still, you know... Um, so if, um, <laughs> uh, the camera eye is an odyssey, Dazed and Confused is like a Greek masterpiece that lives Man, among the gods. It does. I personally don't want to listen to that song anymore. It's just, I don't know how, it, it's not like that song got a lot of radio play, right. but I just happen to have heard it. Like I know, all, it doesn't do anything for me anymore. But right. that doesn't diminish the respect that I have <laughs> for what it was probably perceived as in 1969. Like man, it always to me that one always sounded better live mm -hmm. because when John Paul hits that bass line, when it starts cooking, it's just like, <laughs> like oh, yeah, dude, hang on, yeah, dude. yeah, slow, like. <laughs> You didn't quite get buckled in for the roller coaster yeah. and the things going up the hill. You're like, shit, shit. I mean, that was really freaky for, for when it came out. Yeah, like, oh, 69. man. I mean, that was like borderline, like, this is kind of metal. I mean, this is sound. This Dude, is dark. Yeah. I mean, this is, man. Capital D dark. And like you said, a longer track, five, six minutes. Yeah. Like, unheard of. So, like, then. everybody else can have Dazed and Confused. Yeah. And I'll... St I'll I'll keep your time is going to come for <laughs> oh, me. Oh, man. Uh, something about Dude. like churchy organs oh. that just really get my rocks off. Me too. And then, so you kind of get warmed up and then you get this. And then the beat drops. And it's really simple. Dude, it's simple, but it's like, oh, man. And, and plant, plant is superb on that one. Lion, cheat. Another right? good one. Another yeah. good breakup <laughs> song. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I never, so, so I get like way, way, way deep into this whole Zeppelin thing. And I never, it never occurred to me that all the way back to the first record, we're getting little nuggets of killer acoustic Jimmy Page oh, just man. out and out of left field and black yeah. mountainside, uh, you know, you kind of brawn your, brawn your hour, however you pronounce that yeah. is still dude so incredibly and see, beautiful. And that showed their just scope of like what they were going to do over the last 10 years. You know, they only lasted you know, about 10 years. Yeah. Not long. Yeah. And they changed, they changed a lot. I mean, Jimmy Page changed a lot for guitar players. Um, Bonham certainly changed a lot for drummers. Dude. I mean, uh, he's still an influence. I mean, he's still like probably top three influences from a lot of drummers out there. I mean, it's rock drummers anyway. It's Bonham, Peart, and what's the? Th they wrote this. I mean, they wrote who, it. Who's the number three? I mean, Stuart Copeland. Was, maybe that's that's the only other place. But I they're go. all kind of they're all from you know they're all relatively the same age. But you mm -hmm. could you could go back and say, oh well, who who influenced Homeboy from the Who? I mean. 
was real. What was his name? Uh, Keith Moon. Yeah, Keith Moon. He was fantastic. But Mitch Mitchell from Hendrix. Mitch Mitchell. I mean, he was all over the place on the drums on a four-piece kit and making it sound like he had nineteen pieces up there. No, I typically don't bring <laughs> a lot of uh, or very many at all negative things to say about Zeppelin, but uh, communication breakdown. That's never done anything for me i mean oh, I, yeah? I, it, I like it, that one it, well i mean and it could be one of those that it, it did get a lot of radio play yeah not like cashmere or stairway but it was a hard-hitting quick song yeah um yeah so then we get into i can't quit you baby which you know say what you want to say about the alleged or or proven theft uh, right from the, these black blues who who deserve whatever credit royalties whatever yeah. it, and I'm not trying to say they don't yeah but you can't if if you want to if you're and I've met several that really they still to this day want to wave that flow oh, there's rip off artists like yeah they're they were taking like sort of skeleton and, and and adding the muscle and the flesh and the blood yeah. and the five senses. Yeah. They, they, it's not like they don't deserve credit for creating something new and original because they were. And if you want to yeah. argue, uh, go argue with some other guy. Yeah. Cause I can't quit you baby. And really, really the, 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 the creme de la creme for me has always been, um, since I've been loving you. Like oh, from from yeah. Zeppelin three, I th- I think uh, I'm not gonna say it's the best Zeppelin song, but I think it's the best Bonham showcase in oh, in the discography. Yeah. Man, I mean, how many rolls across? I mean, and he he's he's not doing the simplest, most easy beat across slower blues song you know right he's I mean, he's a busy man yeah and, and then the then they kick it into overdrive and he takes over yeah but for me i can't quit you baby is kind of like the jumping off it's that, that without you can't have babe i'm gonna leave you yeah, without yeah. i can't quit you baby see that to me that was um yeah that's going back to just that r&b sound with um like you said just the strength of zeppelin kind of not resurrecting those old blues tunes because you know those old blues tunes were written because those guys were feeling pain mm-hmm. i mean those guys wrote those songs because they weren't being treated fairly and they, and they had a lot of pain they had to get out and so they wrote those tunes that you know obviously helped them and then yeah so zeppelin picks those old blues tunes up and injects like you said their thing and man there you go they're selling millions of records well and so you know it didn't it it took a long while to get to to where we are today yeah but i i I don't know if there's still like pending litigation or if all the things have been settled but i feel like at very least the families of some of those artists if the artists aren't still around they they got a little bit of money and also there's a couple situations where we don't know that those artists we didn't know their names before yeah. you know or who had rights to those songs back yeah then. it's I mean, like it was oh just all like howlin wolf muddy what like oh, yeah well, let me find out what's, and then yeah and then you learn about them yeah so anyway well thank god for those guys because exactly it's just i mean those 
they laid down everything for the basis of <laughs> rock, blues, sure. a lot of stuff. So yeah, it's just a it's just a natural progression, I think. But I, um, you know, I think the reason I picked these three albums when you asked me to, as far as influential albums, there's n- there hasn't been a lot of, and I don't, I'm bad about picking up new bands mm-hmm. like you and a few other of my friends are like man but you got to check out these guys so so it's good to have those friends out there because there is really good music still being made i just don't i'm not motivated to go seek it out myself so these these albums that i picked i still go back to them and listen to them quite well, a bit as you should they're fantastic you know? um uh, i don't uh <laughs> I, I i don't uh, no interest whatsoever in trying trying to like you know trash or, or, or downplay days of confused and communication breakdown but if you want to talk that hard hitting punchy set like how many more times oh, like i like man. that i like do too. i mean that we one. already talked about fun bass yeah. uh the guitar there's like some some gain kind of ha- yeah or, or sustain i don't know which i don't know what <laughs> uh and then also what a killer way to finish off the record oh man totally I mean, just i mean that's it Take your headphones off and like I got <laughs> was that I got step about? outside, man. That was nuts. Um But there was so much mystery surrounding Zeppelin. I think it's some of it's made up, you know. There's there's been all these books written about them, you know, some of the occult stuff. But you know what? They were just to me they were just a good rock band in time that lasted this time and they put their mark on it and um you know, influenced a ton of people, which is pretty good in 10 yeah. years. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, man. Like, I can't uh, think of another band who's been, you know, kind of on that, mm, you know, cusp of like an R&B, kind of a good rock blues band who's like, you know, totally brings it. I mean, and all like, and so for sure, all those three, but your occasional flirt with funk. I mean, yeah. John Paul Jones and yeah. B- Bonham to an extent. Uh, yeah, yeah. Never really like getting all the way in the pool. Right. Just kind of but a little toe dip. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, so good. Well, if yeah, if you listen to stuff off Coda, which was, you know, before Bonham died, you could see where they were going. And I think they, to me, to my ear, uh, they were kind of, Maybe, and I don't know who was influencing. I don't know who was telling them to write certain. You know, we need you to write more pop songs because it was becoming, you know, eighty one. You know, after you know, Bottom died. I think in eighty. I think so. I think so. Like eighty or eighty one for sure. So you could see where the producers might wanted them to go more pop route. You, maybe you could see Zeppelin and then like eighty five having an album out that's like more. Yeah, you know, can you see uh, that? Maybe if he did, if he yeah, would have lived, yeah. I don't know what they would have done. But uh, well, a band that's weird to think about that. Um, uh, I and I, I never. I mean, before I was really, really, really into Zeppelin, I spent I spent a good solid bit of time with Aerosmith. Okay. Um, oh yeah. And so they kind of, you know, whatever class. Like I knew some, I knew the hits, "Dream On," of course, and "Walk This Way." But, um, "Toys in the Attic." Well, so so "Permanent Vacation" comes out in '87, and it's got yeah. Angel and dudes looks like a lady, and then "Pump" is in '91 with "Loving It." Blah blah blah. 
Um, so, but I, my next door neighbor was in a band back way back in my, um, mom's PV house. He was now a, a dad with a job and, but he had been a, a guitar player in a band for like 10 years. Uh-huh. And when he found out that I was like, digging me he can I, I bought a guitar and i was taking lessons at the tune shop and he came over and like it took him a, a, a minute but he all of a sudden he was doing the the rhythm to highway star oh yeah by deep purple yeah. and then he kind of like worked his way he painted himself into a corner thinking he was going to be able to nail the solo without having to trying it <laughs> and he, he kind of but anyway He's like, dude, you gotta listen to some old Aerosmith, and he he gave me Toys in the Attic, oh, yeah. and then and then Rocks, and then and then I went you know, self titled and and Draw the Line, and um, there was another. So anyway, I, I took in all of that stuff, mm-hmm. and then I was like, well, now I need, now I gotta have the rest because <laughs> I have this, and then I have these two newer that I I kind of like, but I really appreciate this. Yeah, there's some really really ripping dark tunes that they wrote back when. Uh, like Lord of the Thighs, I'm mean, just one of many that come to mind. But in the middle was so, sort of what you're talking about, like what would '85 Led Zeppelin yeah. sound like? And so, so they <laughs> they had a they kind of you know, I think St- the Toxic Twins, Steven Tyler and oh, Joe. Yeah. You know, I think there was a couple of like on stage collapses from getting after it a little too yeah. hard and like yeah, shows had sure. to, so then they go to rehab or he, whoever, yeah. and then they put out a record called done with mirrors. Yeah. It is absolute garbage. Yeah, they're and, all off the drugs. Well, <laughs> I mean, but I think in all fairness, I think the one that they put out right before they went to rehab was also garbage. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it's so weird. And, and I'm, I'm not, I'm never going to after, after uh pump, I, I, ch- I, I didn't ever, I was yeah, too busy was, learning other stuff when they yeah. went into like the Alicia Silverstone, all the soundtrack. Right, tra- right. I was I was gone by then. Yeah, but I did appreciate Permanent Vacation and Pump, and I never want to say it. It gets the same props as their old. Those shit. Are, they had a lot of good songs on those. Those that those, both those records had really good arrangements. They did, and you know? and great production. Hits. And, they yeah, were hits. Yeah, with videos to accompany yep. them. Yep. So I'm thinking, like, would Zeppelin have a video? Would you know? They would have. They would have done it, man. Oh my god! It's like, no, please don't go that route. You know, like, don't get, don't let have Zeppelin and MTV have a relationship. Right. You know, we right. don't want that. <laughs> so maybe it was good, but I don't know. It was kind of like, you know, Rush went through that same thing where there are every, you know, if you came out of the '70s, you had to go through the '80s, and you kind of had to kind of had to do what everyone else was doing yeah yeah um, a really cheesy video and you just had to kind of play along with everything <laughs> do you know do you know who to me and I have a very very base level knowledge here so don't take anything i say as gospel but <laughs> so far and i this isn't like a project that i've studied or anything but the 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 anomaly for people that were musicians in the seventies and eighties, uh, is, is Robert Palmer. <laughs> Have you ever listened to his shit from the seventies? Uh, my sister had, um, a few of his records, but I don't remember listening to anything that early from Okay. Him. Yeah. I literally, until somebody told me, thought that like, um, simply irresistible. Yeah. And, uh, what was his other hit? Um, um, 
the one with the with the, all the girls the dancing in the background. Yeah. But you're not home. You're mine. That's I. I yeah, so somebody yeah. was like, "Dude, you should check out some." And I was like, "Wait, what?" And I I just picked one record, and I was like, I, I almost had to pull over. I was like, "This slaps." So Man, and, and really? then I I did. I kind of listened to another record, and I was like, "This is also really good." But then I I got distracted and went another. So I know there's still a lot of Robert, yeah. but, but I had no idea. And so you know, he he kind of um, like the the 80s for him kind of blew him he's like hey but and it, yeah it fit yeah then, oh, he sold a lot of records because that video mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but but the real music like, <laughs> oh but i've been around for 20 years yeah, <laughs> yeah so I, I always think that's going to happen to me you know someone's going to discover like an old tiki brawlers single you know and like dude we've had that for 10 years right i'm, I'm too old you know so um Casey Green has Facebook and Instagram. It has a YouTube. Yeah. Uh, Tiki Brawlers. Oh, two albums. Oh, they're both on YouTube. They're both on YouTube. Just search for Tiki. There's another. That, that was a good thing about that name. Um, when I registered it, uh, there was nothing even close to it. So when you type in Tiki, usually Brawlers comes up automatically. Nice. So that's are you good. are you familiar with Bandcamp? Um, I am. A little. So, <laughs> uh, this again, absolute baseline. Look I don't it have up. anything up there. Well, so it's popular because they give allegedly more royalties to the artists than in any um, other platform. I, I think we had, I think the first record we did was we did CD Baby and. You know, they just help you link it out to sure, all this, but they take a percentage. Sure, but know. I think I think yeah. I think Bandcamp takes the I smallest. Think I've heard that, yeah. And then they have uh, Friday, free Friday band, band Friday Bandcamp, where any sales of yours on those particular Fridays, you get all of it. Oh, wow, cool. I mean, it's That's it's cool. new to me, but I, I, it's been around, I guess. Yeah. So, but awesome. Well, we're um, we're almost three hours deep. Wow! Yeah, um, I was gonna say. So I got dogs to feed, and you probably have we, yeah people that want to see you. Thanks for having the, me on, dude. Thank you so much for coming and doing this. Um, yeah, and uh, I'm, I'll send you some stuff. Okay, and uh, please, if there uh, Casey Green merch. Oh yeah, comes to fruition. You need a snail shirt. I want. I want to give. I want to give Casey Green some money and get a T-shirt in exchange. There's probably like three hours of music that they're gonna send me that I have to listen to. So um, it's good that I don't have a lot of stuff going on right now because I'll definitely get into all these notes that you that you've written and um, you know, at new music. I just need to hear it once and I'll, I'll be hooked. <laughs> I, th- I think you're really gonna dig Kurt Vile. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. and the, the War on Drugs and Jenny Lewis. I mean, maybe you will, maybe you won't, but. Uh, it's cool it, to me like I, i've always the mindset without even knowing it really is like i want i want just a source yeah of new music <laughs> that i like that i don't have to work at all to find <laughs> just sort of f- funnel it in like the yeah. uh, lightning bolt into the delorean yeah and back to the <laughs> and, and now i have it and i'm happy and um yeah i've got a couple friends like you that are always looking and hearing new music they they're actively you know seeking it out and 
I'm not actively doing that, but I'm I'm passively, <laughs> you know, waiting for one of those people like who's like, hey Buckner, check this guy, like, right? Because you know they know what I like. Well, so. actively or passively, as long as you're open to <laughs> that's right, giving it a yeah. a little bit of a whirl. I mean, and keep supporting live music out there, people, and no matter who you listen to. So just musicians need your love right now, and that five dollar cover or whatever. But um, yeah, music heals all. Indeed it does. On that note, thank you, sir. Thank you.